0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. This is the September first week of September episode of Weekly Manga Recap.
1: Why are we being coy about the date?
0: I've I don't know. When did we record
1: this, Chris? It's September third. Okay. Which is different from what it would have been on September first. But uh, there were things that happened. So my basement got flooded again. It's not <laughs> a mystery. <laughs> like it's not. I don't want people to be like. Did something happen? Like, was there a, a, a mischievous, like, foul play involved or something? Like, no. Like, I uh, they hit our area and my basement just got more rain than usual and it flooded for a bit. And I was like, uh, I got to focus on this and I'll talk about My Hero Academia tomorrow or something like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I believe the way I put it, I put it was like,
1: yeah, that's probably
0: something you should put all your focus on. Like, you don't want to like, we don't want to be recording the show, and then every ten minutes, hang on, let me go check the basement to make sure. Let me let me go see if I have to
1: bail out my basement before it ruins something.
0: I just have to handle it by myself. I'm like, Oh come on, Chris, what are you doing? Is it just because you don't want to drown?
1: <laughs> just because you have expensive electronics that could be destroyed, or. <laughs>
0: I don't know. That could also just be my Flor- Floridian showing. It's like, what's a basement? And how can it get flooded?
1: <laughs> well, this is the first time I've ever experienced it in my life either. Like, I've gotten rain near my house, but I've never gotten it in the basement. But this is the first time it ever happened. So there's definitely nothing weird going on with the world. This is all just natural. Yes.
0: I don't know. I guess that there's always something weird going on with the world. But yeah, yeah. it is still also natural. So Yeah. <laughs> As a result of of the rescheduling for the recording that we had to do, we have more manga to talk about today because there was stuff that came out on Thursday and maybe today. I don't know. But since the Wednesday time we were going to record the show, there's been more. So a nice jam-packed episode of Weekly Manga Recap for you guys. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, I guess we will talk about it now.
1: Yeah, we're going to bring it right now. Yeah, right, now, right, now, right, right now right now right now right now yeah, my hair now uh, boom uh,
0: little kid boom cover page <laughs> look at that tiny Ochaco with the big head yeah my hero academia number 324 wonder a if that, young woman's declaration
1: i wonder if they thought that was her quirk as a child they're like oh she's <laughs> born with an astronomical head like she's head girl she'll fucking she'll be the best soccer goalie of all time and then like she grew up and I'm like i guess gravity powers are cool i guess they take her to the playground, and they're like, Oh my god, your kids have giant head
0: quirks, too! <laughs> Everyone's kids have giant head quirks! What's up with this? Have you ever seen a child before? <laughs> no! What are my, they? <laughs> my quirks is that I forget what children look like. It's really... <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> uh, So, we kind of tie together, in this chapter, Uraka's... Big motivations for being a hero in terms of, you know, there is the money motivation, but then there's also I've always thought that was so cool when, you know, people were, you know, happy that a, a hero would show up and uh, tying it into what's going on right now in the story. And she narrates first in this little shot of her as a little kid looking not at a hero, but at someone else looking at a hero who is really pumped up and excited. And she says, you know, I've always loved seeing happy people because my parents always were so exhausted because they were trying to make a living for us. And when I saw heroes in action, my gaze went straight to the faces in the crowd. And now we see that the faces in the crowd are in the present looking at Deku, who, of course, was all beaten up after Uraka desperately tried to get people to actually look at him beyond just the threat that he presented to them all. And everyone's kind of like, man, he, he sure is smelly looking. <laughs> um, and, uh, the animal girl that, uh, Deku saved before speaks up on his behalf saying he saved me and he's been fighting for, for people this whole time. And <laughs> I think this is the same guy who was being an asshole in the last chapter. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, one guy in the crowd speaks up and is like, what? So you want us to look at him? So what? what are you saying?
1: Are you saying we should be covered in filth, too? Should I stop taking baths? No, sir. You should definitely be taking everyone. You know what? People have different schedules, depending on how much oil your skin produces. Everyone has different schedules at which they should be showering. But you are still you should still be showering. <laughs>
0: Okay. Now that no, a- I'm just going to poop myself
1: and cover myself in the poop, because
0: we can all just be covered with garbage now. I know that it's a complicated issue, and I'm sure that everyone's got very important feelings on it. And- Wait a minute. This isn't what I got up here to
1: talk about. <laughs> no, now talk about how the beauty industry over- <laughs> overdoes it, how much we need showers so they can sell us more products. That is an important topic, but it's not what we're here Today to talk about. That's why I just spray myself an axe body spray. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now fuck Deku. We have to. T- Sir, you need help right now. Deku, you are... just go wait over there
0: and, and and be beat up for a little bit. You
1: can wait. Yeah. you are not there for. This a man needs our help. Think of every person who's around him who has to smell a shitty axe body spray all day long.
0: <laughs> if this man <laughs> smells around people, then no one's going to be able to stand up to one, to offer one. <laughs> Uh, but Hurraka somehow rolls with what this guy says, like, Are you saying we should be covered in filth? And she says, No! Heroes are the only ones coated in that filth. Give him a moment's rest to wash away the grime. This is now just, like, a, sh- a shower commercial. Like, <laughs> this is a shampoo commercial. What the hell? The
1: end of it, Troy Palomalu's is going to walk by and hand deco a bottle of Head and & Shoulders and be like, Love yourself, and then shake his head towards the camera.
0: Jackie will be like,
1: "I don't know who you are." <laughs> what? You don't remember the start, the starting strong safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers from like 2001 to like 2007 or something like that? Was he a hero? Because that's all I know about. <laughs> Some would say he was the strongest hero uh, for that defensive period, for that period of time. Uh, <laughs> Um, and there was James Harrison, but he just he just hit you. <laughs> he just injured you intentionally a lot and shit like that. <laughs> hey, oh, right. I forgot what an asshole <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of like the Superman and then like a much, much shittier Batman. They were the Justice League. <laughs> that's, that's Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Uh, so uh,
0: the rest of Class 1A are just, just kind of like watching a rocket handle all of this and uh, are just generally like impressed with I don't know, her ability to make impromptu speeches linking bathing (laughs) to protecting heroes. But Ida says to Deku, you know, right now, she's fighting. For you, yes, but also for everyone else. Fighting for our right to smile again. Oh, isn't that nice? But we get a little bit, and also we get a little bit more of Raka's mentality saying, you know, she's always just loved seeing happy people, and she says aloud, if you want me to stand up here and reassure you, well, tough titties, I can't do that.
1: Wait, a We're all she doesn't good. say tough titties.
0: Well, <laughs> for a she moment, says, I'm sorry, I can't do that right now. Wow, but- oh, I
1: was gonna say for a moment, I was like, did I miss her, her rocket getting real? <laughs> just like, just shut the fuck up. Also, you take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> hey, stinky bitch down there, take a bath. This <laughs> just becomes triumph the insult comic <laughs> dog. <laughs> hey, you little buddy there. It looks like your mother raised the afterbirth my mistake. Get out of here! Ha ha ha! I kid. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> drops, the, drops the cigar after two lines and just keeps going. <laughs> go I, Next shot, though. Has the cigar again. I, <laughs> one of these days, it'll stay in.
1: <laughs> I've always wondered how... People, because you never see, you only see triumph from the one angle, and I've always just wanted to watch somebody who's watching an old baldy, nebbish Jewish man with his hand in a dog puppet, just <laughs> fucking blasting you with insults as another man holds a puppet that, or an arm that just has a puppet dog hand on, in case he needs that for a visual aid. <laughs> anyway,
0: <laughs> uh. But Uraraka says, listen, all of us are terrified right now. We're all neighbors here, including him, essentially saying, like, he's not an outsider. We're all actually in the same situation and you're rejecting him, even though he's been trying to help you guys out. Uh, And she thinks to herself while she is saying this, that, you know, seeing Deku in action, always desperate to save people has given me a lot to think about. When a hero is hurting, when heroes are hurting, who is going to be the one to protect him? And she basically, she doesn't say this straight up, but she says, like, we have to be the ones to protect those heroes. The people that they protect have to, in turn, protect them. Um, And we see a little bit more of her little little kid flashback where her parents are like, hey, yeah, the superheroes over there. Why are you looking at them? But she's just, like, really happy to see these, you know, smiling people. But then she does look over at the hero who saved the day. Who is wearing something. I, I don't know how to describe it. But it consists of a lot of bands and an odd mask. Um What I do love about this is that how little Uraka gets really, really excited. She looks very Anya-ish in this moment.
1: Now did you hear the sad news, though? What is that? That someone pointed out that the hero you see there is on the list of oh, heroes right. that got killed by Shigaraki. Yeah. Or that got killed, I guess, during the attack. I don't know if he specifically was killed by Shigaraki or not. This
0: little kid, Uraraka, wasn't there to cheer him on. So. <laughs> there you go. That was his last words. He's like,
1: I just was that one kid I saw one day was here. Ugh. Uh,
0: and so she encouraged everyone like, hey, come on. Let's spirit bomb this. Everyone lend him your strength. Look, he needs your help. So find in your hearts to let him rest here and recover together with all of us. Izuku Midoriya is trying to take on all the responsibility that comes with his power, but he's got plenty to learn himself. He's just a regular high school kid. And the little dick munch in the crowd starts to object and rock is like, This place is his Hero Academy. Let him stay here. Oh my god, the title drop. <laughs> kind of. Almost. <laughs> um <laughs> um And as she shouts into her megaphone to encourage everyone to let Deku get his HP up. um, He Deku remembers all the way back when they first met and he nearly tripped and fell on his face and she was there to make sure he didn't. She was there to pick him back up and now he falls to his knees as he remembers that. And. He thinks to himself as Uraga is saying this the big series words you know this is the story of how I became the greatest hero and also the story of how we all became the greatest heroes as all the people in the crowd who were thinking about helping Deku but were kind of hesitating start to rush forward to help him out and the two people that reach him are the animal lady girl and Koda who has broken away from Ragdoll to go and help out his hero. And big emotional moment to end off the chapter as we just get a lot of these different reminders of like the way that Deku has connected with several different characters of the course of the series.
1: What'd you think of it, Nick?
0: Better than the last chapter in terms of making it feel like a big deal that Aroraka was making this big step i do love a lot of the visuals that we get uh deku you know falling to his knees in gratitude for his friend you know knowing the right things to say in this situation um and also i do like the visual of you know koda being the one to reach to out to deku it is a little bit weird that the large uh animal lady is the second one there. It's like i mean it's nice but I don't know your name, ma'am.
1: <laughs> oh no, you mind- got it Large, large animal lady
0: <laughs> Okay, large animal lady So, um,
1: I don't know why that one guy is such a dick <laughs> <laughs> You know, they had to make a bad guy And it just happened to be that dude Just uh, like, hey, fuck that kid It's gotta be deliberate that he's wearing an All Might shirt, right? Probably, yeah uh, it might be some kind of statement by Horikoshi in that way. Just like sometimes the biggest fans of your work are the biggest dickheads who don't mm. understand you. Brush should be running still. God damn it! Like that's what he he's <laughs> Pounded <laughs> on the table.
0: Check out that uh, podcast that we made an appearance on when it comes out. So. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. I thought this chapter was all right. I, I still haven't been able to get into it. I don't know what it is that's giving me a hang-up. I'm just not, for whatever reason, able to get invested in her Araka speech. Um, so while I appreciate that she got a big moment, and I won't criticize her for not having a big moment now since the Fighting Festival arc, or well not Fighting Festival arc, of was fairy tale, the sports festival arc. Um, it's still like, it, for me, I'm still waiting for something else. I, I shouldn't say waiting, hoping for something else. I don't know if I'm going to get it for Araka maybe something with Toga down the line, but right now I'm still just like, eh,
0: should mention that there. So this is the thing about some of my hero academia. So Horikoshi kind of has this habit of like, including a lot of details in spreads. And I don't mean in terms of like two page spreads or full page spreads or anything like that. But in terms of a lot of different panels that you're kind of getting all at once that you sort of, aren't supposed to necessarily absorb in a particular reading order the way that you do with, you know, a lot of sequential art, manga and comics, but just like almost like a kind of collages of things happen. And that can be good for like, you know, okay, we see the reactions that a lot of people have or we see, you know, the way that like the entire class is using their quirks in one moment together kind of thing. But in terms of certain moments where you're supposed to take it in, you kind of have to like try and figure out what you're supposed to take from it. If it's not immediately obvious. So there is a point where Uraka is, you know, like begging people, Hey, everyone lend you lend him your strength. So we have a shot. Smiling together in the future. And a flash of Toga crosses her mind before she keeps on going. And I don't know exactly what we're supposed to think is going through her mind in that moment, especially because she seemed pretty settled on, like, this is, you know, why I'm doing this. And then that comes across her mind. and I don't know why. So it might be one of those things where, like, if you see it in the anime version, it might be a little bit more obvious because because of the different natures of the two mediums. One has to be more um, orderly with how its sequence goes. Yeah. So, I will
1: say that the first time I threw it, I was like, why should I think about Toga? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it might play into it, I guess, or fear, but... Possibly. All right, let's talk about Undead Unluck, Chapter 76, where I can't find the chapter title. Reach uh, the speed of light! Yeah! Oh, it's all the way up there, and it's very tiny. Tiny, yeah. Uh, so we go back to when Andy is preparing everybody for this mission and he is explaining to Top and Chakara that the most dangerous man in this operation has to be Undecreased Creed. The ammo for his weapons will never decrease. Even with undead abilities like mine, if I get hit with one attack, my regeneration won't be able to keep up and I'll be left helpless. But you see, chikara you can stop his barrage with Unmove. And Top, you have Unstoppable to strike him in the brief window when he's vulnerable. So, yes, your abilities aren't possible of direct attacks, but if you believe in each other and use your abilities to their full potential, you will be the strongest duo around. So we My see. My children. And he, because he's cupping their heads. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, come here, you little rugrats. Uh, so we see that's what happened last time about getting uh, uh, unmove into a specific blind spot where then uh, Unstoppable can get a shot in. But Creed has a, a plan for that. And it's a, a stun grenade because he sees uh, Ch- uh Top sees it. Charles Chikara shut his eyes, but it's too late. He's been blinded. Oh, no. Uh, and immediately now, the bullets are flying because now he's not stopped. So Chik- unstoppable. Uh, unstoppable Top, is running as fast as he can, and he's like, oh, crap. Uh, he's not going to run out of bullets at this point. It'll never stop. So all I'm going to do is just drain myself out of stamina. And he says, ah, I'm just going to get myself close to the Gap he looks down and he's like Oh wait is he using ceiling rubble and dust particles to counteract Me and unmove?" has he just Made it seem like he was shooting at me So he realizes this Guy's pretty smart actually Goes kicks a big big uh piece of, of Concrete off and he sees Down there is Creed who has Just been punching Shikara In the eyes over and over Again <laughs> <laughs> Which is so brutal Uh so Creed says, Yeah, there we go. Now he can't use Unmove anymore. So Top kicks him, grabs Jakarta, starts moving, but he's like, crap, this isn't going to do uh, this isn't gonna go well. This is what Creed is made of. And Creed just notes, you're the reason, you're gonna lose Unstoppable. Unmove did a good job. He's a changed man from the coward I saw on the boat. But seeing how your role to finish me off it was your role to stop me, uh, to finish me off Unstoppable, you're way too lacking in attack power. Up till Unmove activate, you guys had the upper hand. So why did you come challenging me with some pointless team ups? So basically, just continues talking down to uh, Top. Even notes at the end, what's being a fast runner going to do? So Top basically it uh, goes over and kind of looks at Shakari. Gets shot through the leg at one point, point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, "Oh man, I, I, I you know, I, I, he's blinded you. He, he's, he's." Kept your, he's, he, basically, he's made it dead in the water at this point, is the way you yeah. phrase it. Next up is you, Unstoppable. So, is like, hey, Top, I'm gonna be fine. And he said himself, right, if we trust one another and bring out the best of our abilities, that we'd be the strongest duo around. And Top runs away. So, Kree just stay in there and he just says, alright, well, running away on your own was a damn fine decision. Call me I can press. respect that. <laughs> Good move! <laughs> Clever girl! Uh... And he explains here, too, he's like, so I can't actually kill you. Uh, actually, he may have explained that earlier. Oh, yeah, he must have explained that earlier. In best. He basically explains he can't actually kill either of these two because Billy needs their abilities. And presumably his ability to copy is linked to these characters still being alive. But he's basically completely immobilized them at this point. Uh, and they're done for. You've entrusted your life to, you know, you're done for. Uh, But Shakara kind of notes, like, entrusting your life to someone else must terrify you, you know? Uh, I know how strong fighting while believing in someone else makes you. Mr. Andy and Mrs. Foucault, they they taught me that. An organization is filled with people who are willing to risk their lives for the things and people they hold dear, which is why Top took off running. It's because he believed in me. You don't have any idea about that, and you're looking down on him, which is why you're going to lose, Creed. And Shakara starts opening his eyes... And he says, don't move, not till the friend I have reaches the speed of light. And we see that uh, Top has run all the way out of the building, and he uh, is uh, pulling on, I believe that's Shakara's head now. What is that? Try to tell if that's something specific of his. Does he have a headband? I don't know what it is. I'm dumb. He does
0: have... Uh, I believe it is the thing that he had around his arm earlier in the chapter. Okay. Yeah, it does look like it. So he
1: pulls that off, just says, let's do this. We yeah. Mean... Yeah.
0: There's a little effect by his arm. So we, you can see that he's snapping it off. Yeah. So we get a cool little moment there from Chikara again. Yeah. Um. I thought that this was just a very satisfying little short action sequence. Just like, yeah, this kid that who was a complete coward when he was first introduced is now <laughs> opening his bruised shut eyes and standing on his shot legs <laughs> so that he can <laughs> use his power so his friend could beat the shit out of greed. So um but in general just like the contrast and like I never have I never believe in anyone else versus we have to have faith in each other in order for us to win. Yeah. So it's I- a very black hat, white hat kind of situation that but it's, you know, a great it's a great shown-in action chapter. So.
1: I also like how threatening Creed's power makes him seem. Like, at first, I didn't think it was that crazy of an ability. But then when you see it in context, you're like, oh, wow, this guy really can just fire at you with a Gatling gun all day long. Like It will not stop. He does not run out of ammo. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I'm hoping next chapter is when we're going to get some top flashback because we saw like a brief hint to his flashback at some point. But uh, we haven't really gotten much of a context for who he is and what he's about at this point. Yeah. He's still not
0: very fleshed out, along with uh, several members of their organization. But what are you uh... <laughs> talking about?
1: Everyone loves the shitted Phil. Yeah. <laughs> he's unbreakable, uh, Nick! Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Kaiju
0: number eight, chapter 43. Uh, kaiju number nine, uh, just appeared before Kafka emerging from the head of one of the ant kaiju and, uh, kaiju number nine says like, wait a minute. I, I, I thought I had a reading on kaiju number eight, but he doesn't seem to be here. And then he looks down at Kafka. Well, maybe you're kaiju number eight, actually. And so, uh, and as soon as he says that, you know, Kafka barely has the time to think like, wait a minute, he can detect kaiju. And then he's got a hole in his shoulder because... The thing is using its bullet uh, attacks on him. Uh, And so Kaiju number nine is like, well, if you are Kaiju number eight, I guess I better test that out. And he starts uh, attacking Kafka. Nerumi gets uh, in contact with the ops room to try and find out how uh, Kafka's Kaiju number eight transformation is going. It's not going. uh, Even if he's in this dire situation, he still isn't transforming. So uh, people are like, well, we need to come up with a plan because we can't just lose Kaiju number eight uh like this so Narumi says like all right well uh, it's an identified class threat so i'll go and take care of the situation but he barely has time to take even a step forward before another kaiju number nine uh, coming out of an ant kaiju appears before him and everyone's like what what's going on why what what's why is there another kaiju number nine and Rumi starts throwing out theories in his mind, like, oh, did it split? Did it reproduce? Or maybe there were always two kaiju number nines. I don't know how that would work, but it did it, it, it all right. It does seem as though they are possibly connected in, like, a hive kind of way, uh, That which might explain why all these, you know, ant kaiju are acting abnormally. Yeah. Um. So the unit that Kikaru helped out before are, are like, well, shit, if Narumi is, is, is being held down, then we've got to go and deal with the situation. But the kaiju that they took out start to regenerate all of a sudden and stand back up. And they're like, oh, my God, is this this is just like what was in the third division's report. And if that's this and if it is the same as what happened then, then the kaiju are going to get really dangerous now. And uh, all the operating in the operating room, they're like, oh, my God the entire area. Look at all this stuff. Oh, there's, this is extending well past the third division's reported range. Cause there's all these blips on their radar about all this Kaiju activity. And, uh, so they observed that, Oh my God, Kaiju number nine has completely changed the entire tide of battle. And there is this cool full page spread of uh, Kaiju number nine surrounded by its various swelly orm orm ability things. It almost looks like a, divine kind of appearance uh with the uh, circular imagery around it uh kaiju number nine makes reference to being done sowing my seeds so it appears as if there is some sort of spore infestation thing going on uh and then he says to kafka that he's going to kill him and take that great kaiju power for myself so hey on top
1: of all his other problems Kafka's going to be a target for powerful kaiju for now on. Oh, no. Yay. His Although, life is great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. had to assume this was coming. Though no, there has to be something special about how his powers in particular work. Uh,
0: yeah, we did get hints, definitely, during the this uh, fight with uh, the uh, Director General so. Uh And Kafka is not having a good time. He still can't transform. And bits of his body are getting chunked away by uh, kaiju number nine's attacks. Uh, And he can't even see the attacks coming. And he's like, I I need to take this thing down. I have to, but why can't I transform? Why is this happening? And uh, when he looks up, Kaiju number nine's got all these different swollen glands getting ready to take Kafka out. And we get to one of the coolest goddamn things, which is Kaiju number nine starts saying goodbye, Kaiju number. And before I can finish we see Kikaru appearing, jumping up from behind it, swing her axe, and as Kaiju number nine finishes its statement saying, eight, it gets cut in half and its word bubble gets cut in
1: half. It is half. a very cool visual and an extremely awesome moment.
0: Unfortunately, Kaiju number nine just kind of reacts by going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> half its body falls away. And with the remaining half of its body, just looks at Kikaru goes, Who are you again? (laughs) Fortunately, Kikaru has a badass line prepared, even for this, which is, you don't
1: need to remember. After I'm going to kill you today. (laughs) It's a good line. It's a good moment. She came in clutch right there, Kikaru.
0: So, an okay setup chapter most of the way through. And then Kikaru comes in and (laughs) makes it amazing all on her own. (laughs) So...
1: Oh no, good chapter. Yeah, I really like this one. I think this is a fun chapter. Uh, I'll be honest, it would have been pretty forgettable, but that moment of Kikoru coming in and slicing nine in half and cutting the word bubble in, in the same process is such an awesome moment that it's like, yeah, this is this is a great moment. And uh, yeah,
0: it's. Uh, I guess we'll see how things unfold in this battle. It looks like we're going to get a bunch of, or at least multiple different, X person versus Kaiju number nine battles, uh, considering that both Narumi and Kikoro and Kafka are facing off against one. But uh, we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah. All right. We have two chapters of World Trigger to get through <laughs> this week. World Trigger! And two chapters of Consequence? mmm I... <laughs>
0: I mean, there is more covered in this chapter because there's two chapters. You couldn't fit all this stuff in one, definitely. Um, So we find out that the reason that Kodera was reaching out to Sua is not because of any connection between them, but specifically because there isn't any connection between them. Because... One of the rules of the away mission test, by the way, this is chapter 212 away mission test part 10. Guess what? No guesses. No guesses for what chapter 2 or 13 is about. It's titled. <laughs> um, But one of the rules is that agents can contact any other agents except for former squad mates. So Godera can't talk to anyone in, in his quote unquote former squad, which I believe is also his current
1: squad. Like it just means nobody you were squad mates with, basically, yes. prior to this. Yes.
0: So what he wants to ask about is, hey, what were the personal scores for your squad? Did, did management send them to you? And was like, yeah, what do you want to know? I was like, uh, I want to know how many points your people got for the A-rank evaluation category. And Sue is like, well, why should I tell you? Meanwhile,
1: Ecoma <laughs> is cooking! This is my favorite moment of the chapter and, and yeah. Singular. And then it happens three more times in the chapter and it's the best.
0: <laughs> so Sua is like, why, why, how do I benefit from telling you that? And Godera's is like, I mean, I'll tell you my squad scores. Yeah. But why do I care about this? <laughs> He's giving her a really bad, hard time about this. Um, so, uh, Eventually, Kodera like he gets kind of like ashamed of, of this because he just keeps on bringing his love, He's like, are you asking me because like you're not worried about us? Do you don't think we're a threat because we're in last place? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll just leave you alone, like, I got 22 points and my members each got like about 15 each and that he he omits except for Katori. <laughs> but he then gives Kodera some advice. Which is, look, if you just want information, you, you should say so. Or if you want to make a deal, you should say so. Otherwise, people don't know how to react to that situation. And if you do want to make a deal, then you actually have to give someone incentive for making the deal with you. Bye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. that The first part of this chapter is just like, here's how you do negotiations. <laughs> Pretty much. Meanwhile,
0: Ikoma is still cooking. <laughs> Kodera is talking with some of his squad and they're like, what where, where are you doing? What are you calling people? And he's like, well, there's something that's bugging me. He calls Karuba squad next. And Karuma's like, yeah, sure. I'll share with you. Uh, he explains the difference between how they both approach the situation. And Kodera says like, yeah, during the special assignment, I limited the length of our debate to keep from taking up too much time. But I thought that since we had less time to actually talk things out aloud, that A-rank agents didn't witness as much discussion to evaluate us on. So I was just wondering about that. And so Kuruma's like, okay, my, my, my squad got like 13 points about per person. What about you? And he's like, yeah, ours was, our average was in the single digits. So we're lower than you guys and a few others, it seems like. So Kuruma says... I mean, there is something to be said for your strategy, though. Like, I mean, you guys are doing well in universal assignments. So, but so you know, that's nice pragmatic thinking that we've come to expect from you. And Gunner was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah."
1: <laughs> Meanwhile,
0: Ecoma is still cooking.
1: He's making uh, a stir fry or something. I don't know.
0: I love that it's like you know a very like. It's one of the more exciting types of cooking you can be showing someone do because you're flipping <laughs> the stuff through the air. And you come was just, like, staring
1: at it the way it's, he always yeah. stares at everything. <laughs> I just wish he could be wearing his goggles. I really oh, do. Yeah. And I love steamed. that every time they introduce him again <laughs> as yes. though you would have forgotten from page to page.
0: <laughs> so we cut back to Codera's squad again and he's like sharing the notes that he's taken from all the people he was able to contact about like, okay, you know, these are the people who different got different points. Um, and, uh, this versus what we got. And so our, you know, points in the individual assessment category are low. Uh, so he's like, so he's like, okay. Um, but why do you care about this? And Codera's is like, well, The fact that this is such a small fraction of the total points that everyone gets makes it fishy, and it's also the only column in the information they sent to us that's highlighted. So I'm wondering if the evaluation points are calculated using some kind of multiplier as opposed to just being added. And so Kitora is is like, you'll think that they could somehow determine final rankings. And Kadera's like, yeah, if not, they're going to barely have any effect on the scores. So it's suspicious, basically. Um, but everyone's like, well, don't feel so bad about it. We uh, we take uh, the universal science because of your decision and stuff. Um, but Kadera's like, ah, but if we're like doing this wrong, then we're in a lot of trouble if we just keep going forward this way. And uh, we cut to the monitor room then. Where we see that Konami is watching this along with, we were introduced to this character recently, and I don't remember their name yet. I don't remember that
1: name. It's not Konami though. That's um, it's not Kaku. Oh, you're right.
0: No side ponytail. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's 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 one of the people who's in that K squad, where everyone has like K A or something or K O in their name. Kaku squad, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh,
0: so. She decides to penalize Kodera because he lets his worry show in his face. Um, but uh,
1: K- Kako Squad, and that is Kitagawa, and who is a horrifying monster. <laughs> and because we can never see her legs, I can only assume it's a puppet. Like it's a puppet being like controlled by somebody, and that's why her mouth looks like it's a giant flap that opens all the way back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh is Kichikawa is that we said Kitakawa. Kitakawa. Kitakawa kind of like fires back on this assessment by saying like, well, he's not just worried, he's like making an educated supposition and he's showing concern for his squad mates. That's all. So they just have a disagreement over, you know, the way that Kodera is, is going over this. Uh Okodera comes back from the kitchen with food and is like, Do you want to like change up our strategy? I mean, I feel like we can trust your intuition on this. And so everyone kind of like gives their reassurances, like, Hey, you know, we, 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 we do trust in you. So do you want us to change things up? And it basically, they say like a key who's like, we should be more mindful of the A-rank evaluation and speak more frequently, more frequently speak our minds rather. So they say this and then they're like, okay, and let's eat. Meanwhile, Ecoma finished cooking. And in his squad, Obishima and nire I had to look up her name, like it. And And it turns out this is an important moment of character growth for Ikoma. Because he had a conversation with his friends about how he could be popular with girls. And Jin told him, just learn to cook. And he was like, but how will I ever learn to be in a situation where I could show that off? And now he's thankful to his friend <laughs> for letting him impress these
1: girls. It's so, it's perfect. It is the perfect reason why Akoma knows how to cook is he was told it will impress girls. And now he's just very grateful he got to use it to show off to girls. And that, there's no other reason why we cut to Akoma three times in this chapter to this point, And then once again, later on, when he's not cooking... <laughs>
0: <laughs> now as it turns out the this is because we are doing this because meals are important to yes. all this this is the one detail from all of this that did not strike a chord with me at all because look i don't I, i'm not the one who cooks in this apartment okay I, I i'm sure that if i showed this entire story arc to nicole nicole will be all over this part of it she she loves seeing you know d- different approaches to cooking and stuff me i'm like yeah but we're just like getting vague details though like there's prepared meals in these squads and not in these squads everyone did make sure to check the stock so that's good um these dinners look good and these don't
1: <laughs> all right <laughs> fine yeah i'll be honest this chapter was like at up until this point was something where i was like all right it's kind of funny we get the uh uh a stuff but i was like are we not fucking done with this yet? Can, have we not glossed enough that fucking everything in this thing is something for the A-rankers to, to pine over and watch? Which is still... It hurts my mind to then think about how the A-rankers are actually grading this. Because there are 12 simultaneous everythings going on. And they have to switch between them constantly to evaluate oh, Yeah. <laughs>
0: And also, this is not the only detail that I've got a little bit of a problem with. that gets it's a lot of focus in these chapters because if you were concerned with the laundry, then, oh man, they have got this shit covered. It turns out that the weird t-shirt everyone was wearing, it's because they're special try-on clothes that can be washed in this try-on deconstruction and clothing remaker thing. All right.
1: <laughs> I didn't really need to know that, though. <laughs> But it helps for the fan fiction where you talk about how the machine doesn't work or only starts shooting out fetish outfits, you know? And then you can write whatever story you want, hero uh,
0: All right. Everyone takes showers, and we get a little bit of that. We also get... So this is an act, something that is a detail that I do actually appreciate amongst the minutiae, which is that Hughes is being left to deal with being in disguise this whole time. And they're like, yeah, I mean, you can just use your try on body without horns during the test. But when you go to sleep, you have to be in your actual body in order to rest to regain your try on. And you're not going to be, you're not going to have your horns hidden. So you got to deal with that. And it turns out that he talked about this with Reiji and, uh, basically just said, I mentioned this to the brass and they said, he can figure it out himself. <laughs> so they're just le- leaving it to you to deal with it. And he deals with this <laughs> in an amazing way, which is to say, I need to use the one person room because Canadians can't sleep <laughs> with uh, <near> other people. <laughs> and so one person's like, I've seen movies on TV. Canadians are fine sleeping around other people. And he like, the media does not portray Canadians accurately. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he says, look, I would either need the one the one bedroom for myself or I could use the capsule bed. I'd be fine with that, too. Um, But uh, they do bring up like I mean, you can't even like talk to us without your try on body. So sure, you can be by yourself. That's fine. Uh, And everyone's just kind of cool with it. No one makes a deal out of it. Uh, We close this chapter with Sua Squad all going to bed. And they had the same room room assignments that uh, they went over before. So uh, Oki is going to go into the uh, canopy bed. Katori is going off by herself. Sua and Osamu are going to the two-bedroom. And as the two of them settle down for bed, Sua is like, Hey, I got to talk to you about something. And thank God we didn't go into a cliffhanger (laughs) on this one because... It's not really a cliffhanger worthy moment. No, it's it brings up a nice exchange between the two of them because Sue, you know, is like brings up like, hey, you know, have you checked out the rules for the battle sims? Uh, and someone's like, yeah, yeah, I, I did, because I was able to take a picture of them after my try on went out. They're making us face off against each of the other squads, which means we are going to have 10 matches every day. Right. And Sue is like, yeah, but the issue I have is actually with the units we will be using in battle. Because the rules say that the different unit stats will approximate our stats. Do you see where I'm going from here? And Osama's like, yeah, you're saying that in terms of our battle resources, I could be a burden. And Sua says, look, I'm not calling you weak. Uh, you know, Ragey's been bigging you up all the time when we talk about you. Uh, and But the thing is, all your inventive ideas that you came up with during the Rank Wars... The computer battle system's probably not going to be able to replicate that stuff. All the tricks you did with, you know, the, the force people to step on grasshoppers, the, you know, splitting your, your bullets in two kind of stuff. That creative use of triumph's probably not going to be in the system. What I'm saying is, even if you are, quote, a burden to us, I've already taken that into account. So, if things go badly, don't get in the dumps about it. I mean, don't just... Like, swallow it, you know, keep speaking up, keep your good ideas coming. That's the way to impress the a rank guys who are judging us. Uh, so, is just, you know, being a pretty nice leader here. It's so, like, look, I know that you've got this inferiority complex thing, which is the entire basis of your character. So I'm going to nip that in the bud right <laughs> now. <laughs> um, Osama mentions that he's kind of worried about, you know, how Katori is going to react if things go badly. And Sua's like, hey, as long as she's yapping, we're good. Uh, And Osamu kind of remembers what Wakamura uh, had said about Katori, which is if she's really pissed off, she won't even talk to you. So if Katori is actually, like, you know, complaining and stuff, she's just being normal, basically. Yeah. Um, And uh, Sua does also mention that Katori was actually, like, is actually the ace of the team still. Uh, And in terms of the universal assignments, she actually had the best scores, uh, which I kind of shocked by because she looked like she was spacing out during it. Uh, Sua does kind of say, like, I mean, me and Ui, the operator, were also busy working out the menu, so we were kind of distracted. But, yeah. Um, But he says that Katori is probably going to be key to how their overall score ends up. If she loses her temper, it could be our chance to earn some A-rank eval points. Uh, you know. So he goes over all that and he says like, hey, you handled the situation earlier today really well. You kept calm. You came up with a solution and we would have probably worked it out eventually, but it's probably a good thing that you, that you took care of it really early on because the evaluators probably would not have been impressed by us having to take a lot of time to work it out. So good job. Go to bed. So,
1: yeah, I really appreciate it these guys having this moment. Um, The joke kind of has been for world trigger for a while that world trigger has been kind of slow and you know, we're, we're spending entire chapters answering an email or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Uh, But this moment, honestly, it felt like a real earnest conversation between the two of them that had a lot of merit to it. And it was a very thankful departure from a bunch of characters talking about how a bunch of other characters are talking about how they're going to be doing things. Like it's nice to stop dealing with the levels of like, I wonder if me reading this e- or this essay too loudly is going to be judged harshly by the A-rank agents who right. think I should be using my indoor voice a little lowly or a little lower and then it cuts them and they're like that guy's talking a little bit too like it, I'm so thankful to get like a diversion from that and just having like an earnest conversation with no meta commentary or anything over it. It's just two people having a conversation and I could be done.
0: Yeah, it's it's probably the best character stuff we've gotten possibly all calendar year yeah. in yeah. World Trigger. So uh the next day comes uh we get a couple little moments as everyone kind of like gets ready for the day as they're eating breakfast and stuff like oki says like i freaking love sleeping in the capsule bed i'm gonna do that every night so <laughs> <laughs> um uh they osama has got his try on back so he can use the laptop and put in his answers and stuff uh there's not really a whole lot that's important that goes that happens with uh suwa there is a very ominous case in the operator room that's got a mouse and headset in it which okay (laughs) i don't know why you put that in the briefcase but okay yeah sure uh and then we go to wakamura squad uh last month we left them on the note of wakamura having to make the decision of whether or not they would go with hughes's idea to everyone split up the work and share answers With Wakamura saying, I think we should just go about this by having everyone work individually, because although they did not say you can't cheat on this stuff by leaving it as an option, maybe they're waiting to see how we decide. And in the end, if they say everyone who cheated fails, then there's nothing I can do as your leader. So everyone's like, yep, okay. Sounds and fair. They they are like, yep, we'll keep it a board. I guess it is kind of a risky option, but Wakamura, you can tell just by looking at him, it, is like, he's still not certain about his decision. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then we go back to Sua Squad, and uh, they have some new battle sim data that is coming that they can check out. It won't be good until the afternoon, but Sua wants them all to prep in advance, so they download and look over it, and we see that there are. Standard units and backup units, there are two members of each of the battlers in their away team squad, which apparently all eight of those have to be used. And then there is a backup unit where you can select one of them for each match, and it appears to uh, be a selection of different A-rank agents that they
1: can use. Basically the number one person of each of the, the four classes, I believe. Uh, Um, it's Tachikawa, the number one attacker, Izuma, the number one shooter, uh, the guy who's the number one sniper, I don't remember. And then Kazama, who I think is like the second ranked attacker or something like that, but basically like very high level of all of them. I'm not sure if
0: that's... I'm also not sure if that's the bottom of the window that we see. If it's just yeah. those four, if there's more below it. But, yeah. It, I mean, we are obviously going to get more information about this probably next month. Oh, yeah. Uh, I
1: can't wait so. to, to fucking see them talk about simulating matchups for a chapter and a half or two chapters, however long it takes.
0: <laughs> I wonder if the pace that World Trigger is now at um, permits Ashihara Sensei to... Plan more,
1: and probably. Uh I assume he's basically still writing, essentially a monthly series or a weekly series at a monthly schedule. Sometimes two chapters in it, right. but I, I do assume even with his health, that would give him time to at least think, even if he's not drawing. Right,
0: because his ailment is specifically in his physical ability to draw. Yeah, so but it's just something I'm curious but about because of the amount of detail that is in all this that is being included.
1: A lot of it, A lot of his issues are also very pain-related, so it wouldn't shock me mm. if sometimes he's just in too much pain to even be like, I don't even want to fucking think about this goddamn manga right now. Yeah. Alright, Nick, let's talk about Eden Zero Chapter 157, The Red String of Destiny. <laughs> Big surprise in this chapter, Nick. I... <laughs> <laughs> this Is probably the most positively I felt about Eden Zero in a couple months, Chris. (laughs) All right. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, we open up with the space battle, which uh, I don't know why we do because we don't cut back to it. Uh, We then cut over to. I know why, but I'll (laughs) tell you why later. Okay. Uh, We cut over to the Eden Zero where Sister and Hermit have. Gone to the armory and loaded up. Basically, they're all decked out with guns and straps and all sorts of stuff. And Couchpo stops them and is like, "Wait, you girls, where are you going?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna go fucking save Witch and kill Shura." Uh, Which, specifically, using more colorful language and even that because she has to be censored. It's Uh, really yeah. (laughs) Uh, Couchpo's like, "Wait, you're gonna leave me all alone on the ship? I'm a non-combatant. Like, that's that." She uses a stupid food example. Basically, is like, it's very bad. Uh, and Hermit, uh, her sister says, I don't want to lose any more of the crew. And she thinks back to Valkyrie. And she's like, not ever again. And Couch was like, you don't believe in cheeky and the others? And they stop. She's like, look, I'm not asking you to protect. I'm uh... oh, sorry. I can't read that particular line because they. I'm, ch- not ask- I'm not
0: asking you to protect me. Okay. I'm asking you to protect
1: the ship we all want to come home too. Okay. For some reason, they picked a really bad font for her, and two exclamation points confuse me. She's basically, don't worry. I think she, it's her dramatic voice in uh, this yeah. <laughs> in this
0: particular
1: panel. She's uh, also not talking about steak at any point, so I'm just like, are you even yeah. Couchbo, or did you go take <laughs> it over? Uh, she basically is like, don't worry, you can trust on Cheeky," and that, that stops Hermit and, and sister. Uh, so we cut back over remember uh, Couchbo has been established as like one of the smartest people on the ship yeah so. <laughs> she's one of the smarter ones and i guess she she's also one of the ones who uh has the most emotional maturities to uh not immediately be like oh, i'm just gonna fucking leave everything here behind uh, could
0: legitimately be an amazing character if hero would have just never made that many fat jokes about
1: her <laughs> very true uh we see pino who is traveling alongside cheeky and uh, rebecca and they're like, oh, and Moscow is there too. Uh, and she's like, oh, I heard a faint, uh, a faint sound coming up ahead, but I, I think I'm indign- uh, identifying which is signature. So they're like, all right, we gotta hurry. And then they see a bunch of of thread. And Shiki, the dumbest human being on the I planet. I want to clarify.
0: <laughs> I just said the couchboy is one of the smarter people on the ship. It's not a high compliment, okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not a high bar to clear because Shiki, fucking. Was he, he wasn't there when Rebecca and them got caught by the mirror. No, but they, I feel like, I, I still feel like somebody in this room, like, I know Pino is like mastered out, but still like when they were in the string, she'd be like, all right, we definitely shouldn't touch this. Cause this has to be a trap. Like there's not, to, they're not going to stop us with just string. Right. But uh, yeah, she grabs a string, wraps around his wrist. And reaches over, wraps around Rebecca, and ties them together. And they're like, oh, what's happening? This red string is composed of ether. Its durability is not high. It can be broken with physical force. So the two of them grab their hands together. But then suddenly, they feel strange. They're like, oh, my heart is racing. This is so romantic. And Moskoy makes a stupid Moskoy love joke. Uh, so they're, they're falling deeply. He, does, he makes a lot of
0: stretches mm-hmm. in this chapter with the Moskoy thing. So...
1: I don't even know if they're supposed to be puns. I think he's just a Pokemon sometimes, and he's mm-hmm. just like Moscow love, and you're just like, oh, it's not. You're just supposed to kind of ignore the like ignore the Moscow part. Like it's it's right. you know it's just an affectation. Uh, they're they're deeply in romance, and then Happy turns his tail into a, a sword and cuts the rope because he doesn't want it anymore. But that actually doesn't solve it. That makes the problem so much worse because now that. The rope's been cut. They hate each other. They start Mm -hmm. punching each other. And it gets all violent. It's actually really brutal. (laughs) Yeah. like It's like, boom, punch Rebecca in the face. Boom. She kicks him in the head. Gets all violent. And uh, we see someone say, from love to hate, the red string of destiny cultivates love in the heart. When the string breaks, that love changes to loathing. That is the power of my ether gear. Red, Destiny, and a pair of breasts walks in. I'm sorry, there's a person behind them. Uh, it's the secretary, or whatever her, uh, she was. Uh, I don't remember her name, and I don't care. Uh, she's there, and she says, they won't stop until one of them is dead. Uh, and Moskoi says, don't let the fear weigh on you. Just knock out the ether user. That usually breaks the spell. And he goes to try to sumo her, and she just flips him over. And I guess <laughs> using the red string like that doesn't activate her ether gear, only it activates as she sets it up as a trap. I don't really know. They don't have great explanations for it sometimes. Mm, I guess it's because it's not connecting him to anyone else. Uh, but the last time it just naturally did. Like, what well, couldn't have connected Moscow to Pino. Yeah. So I, I assume she just has a regular attack one and then, like, the trick. Well, I guess in the same way Laguna can turn people into water if they cry, but he can also just to hit you with a big water ball or something like that. I should note that. Um,
0: so, this chapter's use of Moscow actually really bugged me because he has to be portrayed seriously for this situation because, like, he's the only like proper combatant that. Well, I say proper. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say, is the he only a combatant? One... To... <laughs> The
0: other one who tries to be a proper <laughs> has,
1: has Moscow I mean, been in fights? Did I block uh, those out of my memory when, when he was first introduced? When he was, yeah, <laughs> that when is, he was true. A guy, that is true.
0: Um, so he's the only one who in this situation would try to actually fight, so he actually tries to step up, and of course, he you know gets thrown in his ass. But it's not just weird to see him try and actually fight someone. It's weird to see him sort of act serious at all, because Uh. you're so conditioned to just expect him to be the most incomprehensibly non-character character. character. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, I understand that when you've got a big group, it pays to have a few jobbers thrown in there, you know. It's nice that, that, you know, you've got, like, Brandon Cutler and and, and Michael Nakazawa and stuff like that. You need, but every, every group needs a Sean Spears. But <laughs> all those people, like, I understand that they're supposed to be the people that they are in those situations, i.e. a combatant or a stooge. You know, yeah. someone who, like, is a person who has a job to do. But Moscow is just, like, the weird doesn't contribute anything. Anything robot sumo wrestler that sticks around with everyone, being weird and and occasionally makes a Moscow pun. So for him to suddenly go like, "I'll stop her," is so weird to me.
1: You're not wrong. Uh, Rebecca and Shiki are fighting each other, and they note the two of them are crying because even though physically they're meant to fight each other, their hearts are crying and tears are falling. And then the two of them turn to water and are sucked into a container as Laguna shows up and reiterates his power that anyone who cries in front of him can be changed to water. And that sometimes that can come in handy. Uh, So he hands the container over to uh, Pino and Happy, says, you guys keep them here, then let them out after a while. And he confronts uh, the lady with the gigantic breasts. And uh, what is it? Juna. Juna? Ijuna. Ijuna? Okay. Uh, so Laguna's like, huh, I didn't expect to let you, the you to let them go like that. And uh, Juna just says, Laguna Hussert. And Laguna's eyes go open. And he thinks back to somebody. And he thinks back to the princess who said, do you believe in the red string of destiny? And in the present, he's like, princess, is that you? And uh, Juna's like, don't call me that. I abandoned Oasis just like you did. And I, I can't remember, but I feel, I feel like 30 chapters ago, God, it was probably much less than that comparing considering the pace the series runs at, mm. or whenever they introduced this concept, I feel like I said something like, I hope we don't run into that princess later on in this arc, because she's definitely going to show up in the bad guy group somewhere. Uh,
0: Yep. Uh, Honestly, though, I do like this uh, yeah. because. I mean, like, hey, it gives one of the members of the Nero Oceans, Oceans, that's the name of the group, uh, you know, some actual purpose for being there other than just like, it's a character. And I know that you might say, but Nick, what about Jin's guy that he trained? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was going to say, it was certainly set up a lot more than fucking Jin running into Calvin and being like, hey, you're a member of the Sky Mech ninjutsu family just like I was.
0: And this is why we stopped by with the fleet at the start of the chapter to remind you that there was a princess in
1: this group. It is uh, also worth just noting. You said she's uh, the most memorable member of Oceans. She's actually not a member of Oceans, though. She's, I know she's just sure. Like it, it does. You're like this. It's nice for a member of the villain group to be memorable. Not any member of the villain group you're we introduced to. She was just the consort for Shura, basically, Look, who was brought she's along. She's
0: Part of the real
1: oceans, <laughs> yeah, okay. the real oceans. <laughs>
0: Um, so yeah, I, I, and I do think that the fact that, it, you know, she is the person who is closest to Shura and seems to be the only person that he has. Like, I want her around like permanently as opposed to like, I'll use her for, you know, a little bit until like, I kill her. Um, I think that the, the fact that she is part of, was part of this rebel group, but left them, that makes it, you know, more important. So I am actually curious to find out what, what word her deal is, uh, on, on some level. But there was some weird stuff, a lot of really dumb stuff in this chapter. But there were
1: a couple of things that were actually kind of nice. So <laughs> yeah, I, I actually legitimately thought it was an extremely awesome moment where the two of them are fighting. They start crying because they don't want to be doing this, but magic is making them do it. They turn, they, they cry, and then Laguna turns them. Into, it's yeah. like a cool way to bring back his ability, which I thought to this point we would never see again. Because it would be like, no, it's too broken, you know? Like It's kind of like the way sometimes when Jojo adds a villain into its main cast, the the, the main, that character is suddenly much less intimidating than they were though, and they were a villain. Because it's just like, yeah, you can't set it up the same way every time. Like, I didn't think we'd ever see Laguna to use that ability again. I thought it was really cool that he did. Yeah, so...
0: Three different things that I liked about this chapter, which is more than I usually say about Ian Zero.
1: Now let's see if Nick has three things he's gonna like about this next chapter. Hunter's Uh-oh. Guild, red, oh, man. Hood. red Hood, number eight, hot blooded debonair. Does it make you feel any better to know, even if we may not hate this series uh, with a red hot passion per se? Ninja fucking despises this series.
0: You know that.
1: <laughs> Every time in the discord he's like I fucking hate this series. I feel like Chris sadistic Septembered it for me or used his veto on me this fucking garbage series that doesn't fulfill any of its executions, right? <sighs> so
0: <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm just going to go through the the three pages. To begin this chapter go for it describe it as they are written so last time it turned out that the giant werewolf and cinderella and the mayor from uh Vilo's town were all watching the facility as it made its way to hunter headquarters
1: and it's so unclear as to whether or not the mayor was bremen and if he's not then bremen will return because that motherfucker better get his peanuts <laughs>
0: And so the werewolf says the goal of the red list, which of course is the evil organization or collective or whatever you want to call it, that he and Cinderella belong to. The goal of the red list is the same as yours. However, do not make assumptions. Hech, Horlock! (laughs) (laughs) That is a bleach ass fucking name. Yeah. You are not a compatriot of ours.
1: It it is great that he says, heck, Horlock, and it is then followed by him, I guess because he made a big Ah. motion. Uh, Cinderella's like, ah, but it does sound like they were both just clearing their throats. (laughs) Heck, (laughs) Heck, Horlock,
0: (laughs) You are not a compatriot of ours. You are a convenient tool. We chose to use. That is all. Because you edited the script, adding Dodo and the others, we had to step in and fix the errors you introduced. The more we must adjust the story for coherence, the more the story's characters get yanked about. So the mayor replies, What's done is done. It can't be changed. Quit complaining about it. To which Cinderella says, We know it can't be changed. That's why we're furious. Grim is no dummy, she'll have noticed for sure, and if she reports it to the guild, they might even find out about the Hamlet. You used to be a part of the guild, right? Isn't that, you know, really bad for you? You could have outlined that scene in a dozen different ways. Why push it forward that way? All you did was waste precious page space. Seriously, Mr. Mayor, what are you trying to do with his story? I know that this is based on fairy tales. So the relation of this to like a storybook is, I guess on brand, uh-huh. but this is some time paradox ghostwriter ass shit. Okay. She's <laughs> talking about story flaws in the first several chapters Of a series that is going downhill quickly.
1: (laughs) Uh, Like, it's weird that they used all these meta, like, expressions here. And then I was like, well, they did also specifically call out a gun being a Chekhov and then use it somewhat as a Chekhov's gun. So, like. There's some playing with narrative execution, but it's such a weird move because you either have to be... You have to be real fucking confident and baller in using that because otherwise it just makes you look fucking ridiculous. And uh, the series did not have a great ranking this past week, which could mean nothing, but it could mean a lot worse.
0: So we... Cut forward to it's now 10 weeks after the facility has left Borderport. So they are they are now reaching the end of the three-month training arc. Um, and uh, so Velo is like going over stuff with Tilty and Bonkers comes in and uh, just bursts into their room and it starts moving luggage around. And they're like, what are you doing? And he says, yeah, well, we're roomies starting today. Hope you don't mind. And Tilty's like, what are you talking about? And another person comes in and says, well, four candidates are assigned to each room. Each of us had our three roommates drop out. Conveniently, your room had two open spots. We were already moving in with you to conserve space. For what? They're not making any stops before they get to headquarters, so why do they need to make room for? I don't know.
1: Oh, well, yeah. You know what? Now that you say it, it does, that is a big problem. They had room for everybody at the start, and now that less people are involved, why would you need to condense if only to make things more uncomfortable for the passengers? I guess that's what they're going for, but now that you say that, that is, that is a weird thing. <laughs> that they, they shove the maximum capacity into rooms. Uh, maybe they have to remodel the other rooms afterwards. Like, that's one of their training fucking things. Like, hey, paint this room and make it a kitchen or some shit.
0: Look, if we don't put you guys forward to a room, then eventually one of you's going to be like, "Well, now I can masturbate," and then we're going to have to clean up more after you.
1: It'd be great if they were just like, "Look, I need you fuckers to interact with each other. You're all weird loners, so <laughs> I'm just shoving you all into a room."
0: All you assholes with your dramatic
1: origin stories, where everyone in your village died. Meet other people. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mingle. That's le- that's the actual the point of this thing is just to get some people to date. <laughs> it's actually just a mixer <laughs> oh
0: boy I get to play around with the room assignment she she was gra- she,
1: she just grabs little like Legos of these characters pushing them together like I want Bremen and Big Joe to kiss <laughs> and then, Bremen, uh, then Bremen leaves and she's like god damn it alright oh, now well. you two kiss
0: <laughs> uh, we are introduced to another participant in the camp Mariopios. Can you imagine like asking a stranger about this series and being like, "Yeah, so there's this person named Mariopios, and they have a weird thing about them. Guess what their weird thing is? Person would never be able to guess this. (laughs) They have a
1: phobia of leftover food." (laughs) It's one of those things that is clearly, like, meant to be a joke, but plays off in a way where you're like, oh, you know, like, I I don't really want to laugh at these kind of jokes because they inevitably come at the cost of making anybody who has real issues sound like, like having that. But then also you're like, I'm sorry, this guy has a fear of leftovers, as we'll find out, is very anxious and doesn't like to sleep near the ceiling and everything like that. And I think there's something else he reveals later on. How did he make it this far in the exam? Like, I don't, if he is deathly afraid of leftovers, how has he made it this long? I
0: don't know. When they're serving people 2,000 calorie meals, like, there's going to be people who, like Velo, couldn't, you know, scarf it all down. And he would just run screaming out of the cafeteria. So, So they're. The four roommates all, you know, file in there. Uh, Then after another day of training, they're like, Wow, there's barely three weeks left until the debarkation exam, huh? Uh, Time for the final debarkation exam. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... The test is a test to get off of the train. Those who pass earn the right to debark at Guild HQ and join the Hunter's Guild. Those who fail must remain on the Ironworks, enduring the same hellish training regimen for the entire three-month trip back to Borderport. Unless they get on a boat and leave, (laughs) (laughs) like all the people who left before. So, Mary Upios uh, says to Tilty and Bonkers, like, hey, you guys have taken the exam before. Uh, can you tell me, like, you know, what to expect from it? And Tildy's like, they change the exam every time. So, no, not really. It'll probably be some sort of practical exam.
1: I have a fear of unresolved (laughs) questions!
0: (laughs) Uh, But Tildy also says that it's not a matter of, like, they're looking for the best of each, you know, group. They might not pass anyone. It's happened before. So, and also, the test is so harsh, it makes the last three months look easy. It's Cops and Robbers that they're playing.
1: It's Cops and Robbers that they're playing. Now, Nick, do we get to start... This is only ten chapters into the chapter. Do we get to see the start of Cops and Robbers this week, then? No. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, you can sum up the rest of the chapter with... They explain the rules of the Cops and Robbers exam. We get to see that Diamante is really strong and has a cool suit of armor.
1: (laughs) It is... For some reason, it boggles my mind. i are like, all right, we're going to do cops and robberies. We start explaining it. Grim shows up and, you know, they act like it's a big deal. Like, boy, she transforms. It's like, I don't know. It's been like a month. Like, <laughs> she could do a lot, Like, I assume. Yeah. But it's like, all right, it's two of us. But then they pause that to say, giant mana ray. And then give it time for Debonair to show off her, her awesome ability. Because I guess.
0: Giant so androids are you know, notoriously very patient and will let you put on a full suit of armor before yes. attacking you a second time.
1: So. That, that is one of their rules. Uh, and Debonair's curse is explained because she was also cursed with the Witch's Hex. And her curse is heat. She's very, very hot. And not just in the way that you're thinking. Uh, not just in the way that I'd like to be crushed in her abs. She actually can't really control her body heat, but she's turned it into a weapon and she can really only unleash her best power out here, out in basically the open sea where nobody else gets hurt. And you're like, that's cool. Why are we explaining this now? Why did we start explaining cops and robbers to stop and do this? And then presumably you'll come back onto the ship and be like, all right, I forgot some of the rules myself. Let's explain <laughs> cops and robbers again. Uh.
0: So Grimm and, and Diamante are going to try and put handcuffs on everyone. And they're going to try not to.
1: I I thought it was really cool when Debonair shows off and, and like, you get to see the cool suit of armor and I kind of enjoy her curse. Like, I almost think that would be a cool thing if all of the major hunters we see have been cursed by witches in various ways and have these sort of detriments to them. In some ways they make use out of them. Maybe some ways they don't. Maybe this is just the first two we've seen, and it's not necessarily a pattern meant to be repeated, but I was like, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I would like could be a
0: thing. You can make like a story point out of like yeah. telling people like, by the way, the longer you remain a hunter, the more likely you are to eventually be cursed because of our line of work. So even if you survive, you might have to deal with something for the rest of your life. That's really inconvenient. And are you really willing to take up that, yes. on that that kind of lifestyle? So
1: I really like that. I really liked her showing off. It's just the pacing of this chapter is such a weird thing to me. Like I don't I don't know why it bothers me so much, because I, I I I in my mind, if I look at it, I'm like, I can kind of see it, but it bothers me so much she starts explaining Cops and Robbers and then they stop to do something else completely different.
0: I think the weird pacing and structure of the story has been the most consistent issue that Red Hood has been dealing with since it's Mm outset so
1: yeah yeah like i got all excited for cops and robbers and it's like all right i guess i'll get excited for this thing instead but then we're gonna we're still gonna play cops and robbers though right yeah let's move on to
0: magu-chan god of destruction chapter 56 No Sukoshu of illusions kisaragi didn't show up for class so ruru and ren and, and magu And is Nabutka with them? He's not. uh, He's he's not. not No, he shows up later. Right. I knew that he was in this chapter. I just anyway. Uh, Yeah. So they go to check on him. And uh, when they do, they find that he is just passed out in the headquarters of the Holy Knights. Uh, Uneris is there, of course, because, you know. Yeah. And uh, she says that the reason that Izuma is out is because Nosukoshu of Illusions is there. And uh, so Magu is like, what do you intend to do by entrapping this holy knight in his dreams? And is like, I'm the so supreme being of dreams. Duh. She <laughs> <laughs> like, says, this is what I do. <laughs> so, um, Apparently Izuma was guarding her, but fell prey to her illusions. And now he is just going to be stuck in this sleep. Muneris, though, has a plan. Which is she has, uh, she used her providence to make these special magical eye masks so that Magu and Ren and Ruru can all basically share uh, Izumo's dream, and hopefully we'll be able to do something in his dream to snap him out of it. So, they do that, and uh, when Ruru and Ren wake up, they're in this bizarre fantastical world. Lots of stuff like floating in the air, big weird hills, and uh, so. They're looking around at this fantasy place, and uh, it is apparently the mindscape of Izuma, according to uh, Magu. So there are bits and pieces that you see, like, get some insight into, like, this is kind of how Izuma just sees, like, the world in general. So there's a bunch of, like, wild gulas just, like, running around, and they're just, you know, like, random faceless monsters to be battled. Uh, and Izuma strikes one down with his, uh, a group of them down with his lightning as they're attacking Ruru and the others. Uh, he recognizes, uh, you know, Ruru and Ren. And Ren's like, school's started. You've got to wake up. <laughs> and Izuma's like, what school? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, I mean, we know that he doesn't do well in school, so that makes sense. They try and wake him up for a bit, but he's like, I cannot leave this land. The world is being dominated by a vicious monster known as the Great Wicked God. Once I reach its stronghold over there, I must defeat the Great Wicked God. So, uh, but he says that he's so busy solving all the townspeople's problems that he keeps on not being able to go on the main journey. Because as we have established up to this point, Maguchan is... And any time that there is a chance to make a video game reference in Maguchan, chan it will do so. So basically, he keeps on getting stuck doing the side quests and won't do the main storyline mission.
1: Magu I, know, has, I know that feeling.
0: Magu has a solution. He says, we must defeat the great wicked god you speak of. Hmm? And he just fires his eye beam at the castle and blows the whole thing up. <laughs> the
1: goal has been achieved. <laughs> it is. The best moment of the chapter, as many times, uh, Magu's reaction to things is where he just blows up the castle, and then someone has to come and be like, No, you can't do that. We have a story to do still.
0: <laughs> I do appreciate that whenever the series has a case where it's like, Well, why wouldn't Magu just blow it up? he will try to do so. <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> i still don't know if anything in this year has been funnier than him losing a game or playing a game of fighting game and just shooting the screen like every time i think oh, about it it makes me laugh
0: <laughs> because like you think about it, it's like well isn't he going to say yeah he did <laughs> 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 so no Sukoshu so just shows up in the dream i was like no you can't do that and she transforms him into a his in training form, basically. Uh, so he's a a much more harmless little blob, uh, which he's very humiliated by, even though it's basically just his regular form, except shinier and with fewer limbs. So, but uh, no, is like, yeah, I make the rules here, and your your powers violate the rules, so you can't do that. So, uh, and she's like, yeah, I want to stay in this comfortable world forever. You know, in this comfy place where you know, nothing happens. It's nice and calm, and yeah. So she brings back the castle and that's it. So, uh, and then she's like, just keep on helping out the townspeople, Izma, So I can keep enjoying the dream. And Izuma's like, wait a minute. You mean none of this was ever real? It's like, yes, that's, that's, that's what we've been telling you. So, uh, so Magu decides that they need to get to work. So he starts bouncing up and down Izuma's head to make him, you know, get to work. And so the party began its journey uh no she apparently can't stop them directly as long as they're going about the path that she's laid out for them so she's just kind of like being dragged by <laughs> around her ankles like skies stop <laughs> go rest at the end <laughs> <laughs> uh then she tries to stop them with illusions uh muskar however shows up but it's uh Ill- uh, not the real Muscar, and he's in his humanoid form, not in his current form. And so, <laughs> this is my favorite part of the chapter. <laughs> so Muscar says, this is the forest of lost souls. It has a magical fog cast on it. And the only way to break through is with a magic compass that you can find in town. And Ruro's like, oh, well, I guess we'll just take the roundabout way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so they just avoid the quest. And take the long way around. <laughs> uh, so they reach the castle and uh, the door is locked, but Magu still has some of his powers. So he just kind of like morphs his body a little bit and uses it to pick the lock, which he refers to as unlocking of destruction because he's like that. The door opens. And of course the final boss is a giant Uneris sitting on a throne. I mean, who else would it be? Yeah. Come on. So it turns out her evil plan is to attack Izuma by coddling him and trying to film him all of his embarrassing moments like a mom. So, and uh, But Izuma says, don't underestimate you, Inaris. I won't submit to you after my friends came here to save me. You can't keep treating me like a child. And because Unaris is the worst character in the series, her mental thought in response to this is, that's
1: she says hot H-A-W-T, which I've been told is sort of a, a, a somewhat loose interpretation. I guess in the more Japanese, she's more calling him Moe or Moe or something like that. Um, none of them are great reactions to the speech. And uh, once again, Uneris pulls down an otherwise pretty good chapter.
0: <laughs> I feel like she should have just said like adorable or something like yeah. that. Uh. Well, she- but then she's just like, wow, Izuma, you've grown strong, and she starts dissolving away. And everyone's like, oh my god, why was that so easy? Uh, but hey, that's the end of it. Izuma wakes up. Nosuko, she's like, uh, you guys suck. is like, I'm gonna blow her up. I've gotta do it! And they're like, no, don't do that. Uh, so, R- Ruru is like, eh, it was kind of fun. You know, like, going on a trip. And she says, don't force your way into people's dreams like that, Nosuko. is like, if you pledge your allegiance to me, I may forgive you. <laughs> book. <laughs> do it do it now but Uneris has an idea which is hey ren can you keep an eye on nosakoshi for me <laughs> i'm just gonna put the respect look i left izuma to take care, take care of this and look at how it turned out so you take care of it instead uh and it turns out the nosakoshi was just being made to work at the beach shack and Naputiku is like Making her, you know, lording over her and calling her the, the newbie and stuff, and that's it.
1: Yep, um, it was fine. It's like I don't want to act like this is a bad chapter, it's just you know, it's one of those ones where you're like, this is fine, this is very fine. If it had consistently been at the
0: level of the good parts that it had, it would have been a really good chapter. Unfortunately, though, it was mostly just all right. And uh, then of course there was a in it. So
1: <laughs> there you go. Sometimes that's just how it is, you know? Sometimes a is just in your series, you know? yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Aeneris is just just exists in your series. Uh, yeah. Alright. Let's talk about Dr. Stone. Nick, let's get stoned. It's Z equals 208. Science
0: transcends humanity. Uh so we see that, you know, things are going well now that, you know, all of the manual labor for making computer computer stuff has been passed on to Corn City in the United States. It has Taiju hasn't brought up wanting smartphones in a while, so he brings that up now. But uh, Sync is like, I mean, I guess we are working our way towards that, but we're a really, really, really long way away from doing that because of the absurd number of these things that each of those involves. So, um. And, of course, the people in America, you know, there are a lot of really, you know, talented, uh, working with, uh, very talented, dexterous people on, in this group because of Izariha, Joel, and, uh, also they bring up Luna because she's a surgeon. So yeah. she knows that she, she can do that, so, uh, but they do require, like, everyone working on this stuff, and so guys like Magma are not happy about this, um, and, uh, so he's like, why do we have to do this? Nuki's like, well, it's really important. We really need to have a computer in order to do this. And Yo's like, oh, this sucks. But they get a fax from Senku's group saying like, yeah, there's going to be a Math Olympics tournament, uh, which where u- the use of tools is permitted. Uh, so Yo and and Magma were just like, yeah, what do we, what do we care? Who cares? You fucking geeks. We don't want to do that. And uh, then Minami's like, yeah, they're saying that the winning team gets 100 million Dragos. And be are like, I'm
1: going to make more. So, <laughs> Give it to me.
0: Um, greed. Great motivator. Yeah. More people are woken up. Uh, more time passes. Corn is picked. Uh, they're, and uh, now we reach the second part of their making a computer thing, which is to make memory. And so... Psy starts explaining this by saying, it's like, yeah, see, without memory, a machine can't remember numbers, so it can't perform complex calculations. So you've got circuitry that thinks, and you've got circuitry that remembers, and if you put them together, you can have a high-performing computer which can do really advanced math. And so they're like, okay, but how do we do that? And we get what is honestly a really cool explanation that I did not know this, <laughs> so... Uh, they essentially like, so we need to have like a bunch of like these magnets and then we do things to charge the magnets and uncharge them. And then based on where the charges in the magnets in this grid are put, that can allow it to remember various numbers. And this this, there's this complex grid pattern that Yuzuriha whips up. And she's like, yeah, so if we wanted to save this particular magnet, it's in the third column, it's in the second row. So you send an electrical uh, current through those two wires and it charges this particular one. And so that can be associated with a number that can be used to make calculations and stuff.
1: Cool. I have no idea. Like, it's still, like, they made, they explained it and I'm still just like, sure, guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, So they go over all of this and they're like, yeah, we've we've got to and uh, Senku brings up like, yeah, this is going to take a lot. You know, it's primitive, but it's solid and reliable. And this kind of mechanism is the way that like space shuttles and F-15 fighters once used them. So they had to make a lot of these nets in order to, you know, have enough in order to pull this off. So then we come back to America and uh, they're like, all right, so we've got to make all of these little rings to be magnets for this. So how many do we gotta make? And so Patriot brings up is like, well, I mean, they said two hundred thousand for the other thing, but Luna's like, oh yeah, but you know, that's that's no big deal. I can, I, I could do that. And Useria says, no, 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 two hundred thousand is the number of copper donuts that we needed. Uh, and Luna's like, oh, oh, okay, so it's not two hundred thousand. How much is it? And she says, we need thirty million of these. <laughs> which I think is possibly the first time that we've been reading Dr. Stone where I actually actually
1: felt the scale of the operation that, that yeah. they were on cuz that's so many <laughs> it is something where you're even trying to stop to comprehend it you're like oh yeah if i if i do like let's say I make like 150 in a day that seems like a pretty good you're like yeah you just like understand <laughs> you'd have to work a week to get a thousand, which isn't even point zero one percent of what you need to have for the finished product.
0: If you did a thousand every day, it would take you 30,000 days, which is over a, is, is like almost a hundred years. <laughs> so you could if you were doing a thousand a day, you could not make enough in your entire lifetime. <laughs> oh, God. Um. So, you know, time goes by. They're making a bunch of these hoops. Fortunately, they have the machinery because of the stuff that uh, the American kingdom of science had set up that they can crank a bunch of this stuff out. Uh, And so like, okay, well, what do we do now? Or like, are we like done? And usually is, you know, kind of courting everything in the American team and she says, so we have these horizontal and vertical grids for saving data, but to load the data, we need more wire passing across every grid on the diagonal. And, and Luna at this point is just like, ah! so they work over this and they, fortunately they do have a lot of delicate workers and we just get, you know, a montage of a bunch of different stuff being made. All these light bulbs, this Taiju ends up looking over this really large, complex ring that's got all these circuitry components in it. And uh, they're also getting stuff from India for fuel, which was not something that was gone over in terms of why we we're going to India. So, OK, I guess. All right. But the time comes for the Math Olympics that they were setting up. And Gen is acting as the MC, and he's like, all right, we're going to meet our mathletes here. So we've got Chrome and Senku and Sai. And immediately Kohaku is like, well, Senku or Sai are going to win because of you know just the ridiculous amounts of math they can do in their head. <laughs> Small detail that I want to make note of uh, is that outside of when Sai is getting really enthusiastic and explaining how memory works, every time we see him in this chapter, he's coding. So he's just like doing it during other things. He's just, you know, he's trying to code Dragon Quest still, or whatever he's working on currently. So it's nice. Mm. The fourth person competing in the Math Olympics From Corn City, which they're doing, you know, over, you know, phone, is Magma. And immediately, you know, uh, Ginro's like, but Magma's got to be the worst mathematician out of all of us. Why? Uh, But, uh, you know, like, that's, Zeno's like, yeah, that is why. It's because he's the worst. And, uh, again, has a really, really complicated math equation, which is, you know, like a string of division and multiplication to do. And Chrome's like, how the hell am I supposed to do this? And Senku and Sai don't really react to this. I think that Senku is calculating in his head. But we see that in America, Ukiyo is just like, here, you know, here's how you use it. And so Magma hits the buttons. And then he says, it's a hand And Senku and Sai are like, yeah, he's correct. So, uh, yeah, if you have a calculator, then you can I, do this person in the world.
1: I just did the math myself using the calculator and it took a lot longer. And the answer is right. Yeah.
0: So and they're like, yeah, this is the value of a computer is, you know, like it, it automatically makes these kind of processes faster than the fastest human calculator can do them. So it pushes that home and they're like, yeah, we've got our calculator now. It's another step on the journey is, is complete. And there's a cool shot of the moon shining and gl- and gleaming off of the uh, the, calcul- the giant calculator that they have uh, hooked up. So
1: yeah, it's very cool. I like the visual. I like the way it comes across. I like the execution of making magma the big dumb idiot who's a part of the math contest and he beats everybody because he can use this calculator and show what is a, what's happening. It's it's it's, it's nice, uh, nice motivating moment. Also, they have a bank now It's just kind of thrown in the last (laughs) second. Yeah. Every day we get closer and closer to Senku, like just completely reinventing capitalism. (laughs) Like they already kind of have, but we get closer and closer to it every day.
0: And now we're going to have all these people that we've revived be the slave race so that (laughs) we can influence all of history for the next several hundred years. So then when we get to that point, everyone will just not understand what race, systematic racism is. They'll just, you know, take it for granted that there are unequal people and they won't try to do anything about it. We're it's gonna, very important. you know, It's back to the 20th century, guys. Okay? We're going to
1: tell people they haven't been working hard enough and they just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and then, like, we did yeah. this little message propaganda invented?
0: <laughs> like, the, like, the narration gets less and less enthusiastic the more yeah, this like, stuff ooh. gets. <laughs> we just did Gym. it. Gender discrimination in the workforce
1: invented? Ooh, <laughs> Joe Rogan
0: invented. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, grow him in it. <laughs> they, they go to him and they're like, the narrator's like, why are you w- waking these guys up? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, all right, Nick, let's talk about Mashal, Magic and Muscles, Chapter 75, Mash Burn Dead, and the interesting interview. So we open yeah, but- at the Burrow of Magic. After Innocent Zero's interference, it was decided that Dot, Lance, and Mash would all proceed to the final examination. Uh, We don't really know what Lance and Dot did to deserve going there, uh, other than they were also present and, I guess, fought. But at that point, why would Margaret not be invited? But I guess, well, I don't know. I guess because Margaret wasn't physically capable of fighting against the giant monster. Uh, Yeah,
0: because Finn did not advance. So,
1: yeah. Uh, so they made it to the final exam uh, they're just going to go Wahlberg's there he says hey before proceeding to the final exam you will each be questioned by one of the divine visionaries and if they deem you unfit you will not perf- uh, proceed any further be vigilant sorry I just, just went over <laughs> just to remind you of something the panel where M.A.S.H. is practicing for the interview
0: you <laughs> uh, He's being asked about his favorite food, so he says cream us. And that's the
1: one question he
0: thinks of to
1: prepare for. He's, and, uh, okay, he's like, phew, that was a breeze. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Molenberg's like, yeah, follow your instructions. Mash and it's a fake interview where he is being asked his favorite food. Uh, and uh, someone says, I'll be taking over as your guide from here, Mash. And it's a small little creature. It says, I am a servant beast. You may call me 8 Although you could also read zeros as D's or O's and the character's name could then be read as ODB or (laughs) Dobe, as it's definitely intended to be. Because it turns out this character is the slave race of this world who is forced to follow uh, people. So the creature uh, 008 just says, I've heard rumors about you. They say you don't possess magic. How difficult. I can only imagine the cruelties that you've experienced. My sympathies and mash says "Ah, it's not so bad training my buddy is hey this is a really spacious hallway and uh zero zero says you don't sound affected by your situation i find that attitude rather great it becomes a giant werewolf and uh goes to strike mash and he says oh no i hate it when i accidentally say something to upset someone Uh, Such a good boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Seriously, it says, please, this isn't related to anything you said. In truth, I was ordered to get rid of you. Are you familiar with servant beasts? It basically explains how servant beasts work, that they're cursed, can't lay a hand upon their masters, so they have to obediently serve them in in exchange for power, tremendous power. Uh, And it gives a whole thing, like if you are incapable of magic, you must leave this realm and strikes. And Mash doesn't block or doesn't uh, avoid this time. He kind of just takes it. He says, uh you know be just like you did not resist and he says yeah it kind of hit me that you weren't doing this because you wanted to that stuff about curses and obedience bothers me because if you were me and i was ordered to fight i wouldn't want to have to hurt you and uh there's a little narration of like it might be our language but it only has animal intelligence you just need to shut up and just do as we say know your place save you should be happy we keep you alive and zero zero it's like, oh, this boy, he's human, but he's kind to me. And then uh, Dobby the house elf gets fucking smacked away.
0: Which is all. Which is another way you can read his his digits if you go D O B. So <laughs> yeah,
1: that's why I said that's that's why I brought oh, up. Oh, I thought you said O D B. Well, I said O D B or D O B. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So angry Harry Potter shows up and it's like, "Did you even do your job?" And zero zero it's like, "No, last order. Forgive me." And Mash sans and francis don't it's okay you're the one who has business with me isn't that right and just like wait no you 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 wouldn't you're not going to be a match for for order even a divine visionary can it's no match for order mash is like i'll be fine and uh zero it's like no you really won't i i know this <laughs> and they explained that a very long time ago when the manja attacked this ancient species of immense strength Divine visionaries would be a loss. It's due to how much magic they possess. A top-class human magic user with the same energy as an average man uh, has the magic – has the same energy as an average mangin. And The, the Bureau of Security Forces were made up of the best, and even they struggle. But not Master Order. He and the reinforcements dealt with them, and most astonishingly, Order took out six of them on his own. So he's he's incredibly talented. That's, that's all this is meant to get across. And Mash hears all this explanation, just goes, golly. <laughs> uh, so Order just says- Also, I- there is a sound effect of him go next to him going, golly, which is honk. Honk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Order says, I cannot accept you. It takes just one exception to collapse the system. You've garnered to support Wahlberg and the others. For the power you've displayed against it is zero, but we don't need you. I alone am enough. Allow me to show you. And Mash just says, I have to beat you if I'm ever going to be accepted. So we're setting up a fight between them. Yeah, it's an alright chapter. I mean, not a
0: whole lot to it. It's very straightforward, but I do really appreciate it. It's like, yeah, Mash is just the kind of person who's just like, well, you don't really want to do this, so I don't want to have to punch you because you're attacking me. So Yes. Uh, Okay. But with that done, I guess we'll move on to the Elusive Samurai. How elusive is that, Samurai Nick? Uh... I've... I mean, he's the elusive. I, I'm going to be evasive about this answer
1: uh, and not to answer it. So Almost as evasive as the samurai himself.
0: I, I was the reference. I was. Making. Anyway, the Elusive Samurai, Chapter 29, General 1334. We uh, begin things on a color page that's just kind of separated from the action of Yorishige performing Misogi, the act of washing away sin and impurity. Ugh. That was weird. So, but uh, he's thinking to himself as he does this. Like, I see a future in which you live. Presumably, he is like speaking to Tokiyuki in his mind. Uh, but if you neglect the struggle for survival, you will die because this chance is this possibly is not guaranteed. The experience you gain through battles is, is of a measurable value, and I beg you to stay safe. And then we get uh, our two-page color spread for this chapter. It's gorgeous, as freaking always, whenever this series gets color pages. Uh, it's very, very, very lovely. Lots of nice autumn colors. Yeah. So, last time, Hoshino was convinced by Tokyuki's butt hitting him in the face repeatedly that he needed to get his troops to safety and actually lead a proper retreat. They are doing that now, but they still have to deal with the Kushi's forces because they are following them. As we begin bokucho Tag with the Burning Demon Brigade. Uh, and so we see that uh Tokiyuki and the others actually got some uh, instruction from Shizuku about this guy who's leading the forces, Wada Yonemaru, uh, who is represented by a round, chubby-cheeked face, which I mean he does have ch- chubby cheeks, so yeah. Uh, and she says, like, okay, so you know, he is. Been working with the Kakushi for a long time. He's loudmouthed and brutal. His skill in martial arts are intimidating, yet forceful leadership. And those demand caution. Uh, so basically, they need to take him out in order to weaken the Kakushi's forces, according to K- Kojiro. But Fubuki says, mm, first, we'll use him probably the most horrifying thing that happens in this chapter is we see that to demonstrate that how loud mouthed and brutal the man is, uh, we see him swing his sword and cutting into a guy's cheek. And at first I thought he was like, oh, all right, you know, he's riding on a horse and killing a guy. So, no, that's how he's telling a guy to go and attack. Yeah. <laughs> like he's got to have dug into part of his brain with that sword stroke. So, uh, so, we see uh, Yonemaru uh, riding uh, through his troops, and they're all like, "What? He's, he's, he's coming back. He's riding back through us. What's going on? And Yonemaru just goes, bah! everyone follow me this way. we got to go up the mountain. And, and the troops are confused, but they're like, okay. And, and so they go, and uh, they follow after him. And we get back to uh, some of the strategy meeting. Uh, between Fubuki and the others where he said, you know, we're going to withdraw our forces across a flat area. So we can't set any ambushes. So we are at a disadvantage as a smaller force. So we need to divide the enemy up. And one of us has the necessary skills. Uh, and as uh, the troops are led in this direction, a whole bunch of the them suddenly are attacked by a rain of arrows. And everyone's like, Oh my God, what's happening? What's happening? Yonimaru, sir, sir, sir. And Yonimaru just keeps going, rawr, 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 rawr. and then he turns around and goes, you're talking to me? And of course it's Genba in disguise. And I do like that, you know, when he comes out, like he, the, the disguise that he's in is like three times as big as he is because Yonimaru is a big man and he yeah. is a kid. So. Um, Genba gets to safety amongst the archers and uh, we See that uh, Semantaro, the guy who was really worried about Hoshina being killed and was, like, the only simple person at the camp, is leading the archery team. And uh, he is very, very good. (laughs) Just firing off arrows really, really rapidly and very accurately. Um, So, going on, Hoshina also is actually getting to show his stuff uh, in direct sword combat with people. And they say, like, despite the fact that he fights so fiercely, Not a splatter of blood touches his face because he moves so swiftly and smoothly between enemies. Uh, So, hey, we're getting some of the adults allied with Tokyuki actually kind of bigged up for once, which is a little bit different for this series. Um, And uh, Hoshina says to Tokyuki, like, yeah, we were were strong. We were resigned to death, but we're also strong when determined to live. Uh, But he is worried about them actually being able to escape because they have to protect the their families and he's like we've got we've got to lose the enemy after they all get to safety and we've then we've got to find safety ourselves and hey where is your companion talking about Kodro, and Toki is like oh I let him I let him decide what he thinks is best in this situation and we see we follow Kodro for most nope based almost the entire rest of the chapter basically yes uh and so lots of moments with him I, uh, you know, first, like, you know, his strategy as he you know, was riding around horseback around the battlefield, trying to figure out where he needs to go, who, what troops he needs to help out, which ones in the enemy force he needs to fend off. There's a brief uh, gag that comes up where every time that he tries to address one of the troops, he describes their features, and it turns out to be incredibly inaccurate. So, like, there's the guy who's, like, a guy who's got blocky features and then he takes his hat off and he's got a very round head with circles in his hair, in his hair pattern. So he's like, all right, well, I don't know any of your
1: names. So ah. <laughs> it would be actually pretty frustrating if you're like, Hey, uh, eyebrows, come over there. And then he's like, these aren't eyebrows. I tape caterpillars to my head. It makes me comfortable.
0: <laughs> it keeps and them. There's, there's also just a guy who's just like, Hey, come on, describe me. He's like, Do you, you're just wrong. I don't know how to describe you.
1: You're slightly less terrifying than that Muppet girl at World Trigger, but not by much.
0: <laughs> so he's trying to find the best course of action. Uh, he ends up leading some of his troops to battle uh, uh, and helping them out and stuff. Uh, but he also is like, man, it. I do really wish that I did know their names. And he's like, I need to you know, be a better leader in general and stuff. Then uh, he sees that Fubuki seems to be kind of sluggish, and Fubuki falls off of his horse. And is like, oh no, Fubuki, are you okay? Who did this to you? And of course, Fubuki's just missed lunch, so he's, Kotra's like, oh, fucking, eat this, eat this! And uh, Fubuki immediately is back on his feet, but is like, hey, your strategy is indispensable to the elusive warriors. But Fubuki says, anyone can learn and devise strategy. What is indispensable is a general who moves around the battlefield, risking himself for the sake of others, which means you are our esteemed adjutant general. Really getting a lot to big up Kojiro, as it was seeming to indicate was going to be the case for this story arc when it began. So, mm. um, however, despite the fact that things are going pretty well, uh, Yonimaru comes in and basically turns the tide of the battle, uh, Seemingly killing a couple of the guys who uh, Kodro was, in, you know, getting along with and not knowing their names before. And uh, so Yonimaru is like see, spots Kodro. He's really pissed off that his force has been divided up and he identifies him as a, as a servant from the Suwa Grand Shrine. So he's like, too bad killing a flea ain't nothing to brag about, though. And he charges in and Kodro charges back as like the images of like tigers come up behind them as they charge towards each other. As Kodro says, I'll scatter your stinking blubber in the Chikuma River.
1: That's pretty brutal. Yeah. Imagine, like, a fucking ten-year-old walked up yeah. to you and said that to you. You'd be like, what the fuck? God damn it. <laughs> You'll know how to respond to that. And, you know, it's just no. one of those things It's just catches you off guard.
0: Because then you're like, I mean, I, I I guess I could fire insults back at this kid, but, like,
1: I, I mean... I'm an adult. I, this is going <laughs> to look bad
0: on me. I, there's no way to win this. And also, I do, he's got a sword, but I don't know if he's actually going to kill me or if he's just going to go like, eh. Yeah.
1: What if I make a big deal and this kid sucks and then I really look like I just beat up a kid? Yeah, it's rough times.
0: You know what? I'm just going to leave.
1: Uh, that's the best thing for me to yeah. do this <laughs> uh, Nick, let's talk about Black Clover. Page 304, Reality and Magic. So last time Megikula was defeated, uh, we see that effect happening as the curse mark on Lolo Pachika vanishes and she wakes up and she immediately starts apologizing, saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm naked, I'm sorry. And As is like, uh, Don't fear, I didn't see a th- thing. Oh, don't and- worry. Noelle barely wears any more than this when she transforms. <laughs> I know. Well, Noel punches him in the face. What are you doing, dorksta? And then hugs uh Pachika. and she's now wearing a dress made out of water, which is weird because last time when she washed Saint Stage, she just went back to like the shorts and everything she was wearing before. So I don't know why she has a water dress. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why it gives provides more coverage than her actual Saint Stage outfit.
0: Maybe she really is just more comfortable when she's not wearing pants
1: that's fair it's very fair i would suggest wearing underwear at least or shorts or something but you know I gotta, gotta, it, gotta let it all breathe y- you know what it, it's uh nature's pocket needs some fresh air too i guess and uh all times uh noelle uh or aster runs up is like what was that for noelle and she's like huh she does her old tsundere act but she's like, oh, I haven't seen him in ages, and I'm thrilled. I'm too embarrassed to look him in the face. And she punches him in the face again and launches him in the sky. He's like, in nothing, dorkstra. And then she looks over to Dazelle, and it is kind of funny. Net knows how it's like, oh, the curse has been broken. No, now I'm never able to talk. I don't know how to talk to her. What Joelle. if he punched her? <laughs> that should have been the joke. It would have been a little dark because there's definitely abuse in her family, but it would have been the much funnier joke if he was also embarrassed and the only way he knew how to respond was to punch him into space, someone into space.
0: Unfortunately, the rule of three is not fulfilled in this chapter. There's no third time that Asta gets punched away. Oh, well. No
1: yeah he could punch Aston into space that would have been equally that as funny <laughs> like,
0: Asta came up I was like why do you look so why do you look so awkward Mr. Nozo? <laughs> 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 that would have been a great payoff
1: yes yeah. uh we have a moment where uh oh God real that's a stupid name. Real apologizes to Charlotte saying like yeah you know I'm sorry the effect's gonna end soon and he says I still haven't managed to create my greatest work. I guess my greatest masterpiece is and he doesn't finish that thought. As uh, Charlotte's like, no need to apologize. You made it possible for me from the fight. And I'm grateful to you. Besides, we can't afford to die yet. Am I wrong? And uh, Gaja sees Lola Pacheco run up to her. She's also wearing a dress made of water now to keep things decent. And he says, Thank you know, well. Yeah. He says, Lola Pacheco, I'm glad you're si- uh! And everyone starts falling down and dying. Uh, Lola Pacheco tries to heal them with water recovery magic. But her wound- her magic, it can't heal wounds like that. And, apparently. Yeah, Jeez. apparently. And Aston the notes, the Demon Destroyer can't do a thing about injuries. What's going to happen? And everyone's like, there's uh nature boy player shows up. And he says, woo, there's nothing that can be done. Let me tell you, sometimes <laughs> shit just happens. <laughs> woo.
0: <laughs> He's just like, he just comes in. He
1: just looking... so like. I guess they're gonna die. Sucks <laughs> to suck there. Uh, but yeah, he basically saying so it's not everyone who is right is rewarded for it. Sometimes it's reality. They're going to die. the The damage they took on is is too severe. Uh, but then Rill says, "Luck's like, oh hey," and Nature Boy is like, "Oh yeah, I brought the one you said to bring, but it's too And then Noel smiles and says, "No, Mimosa could do it." And Mimosa says, "I won't let anyone die," and she saves everybody. By saying, we're all overrule reality. After all, that's what magic does, right? And I'm still so very confused on, very, on on a couple different levels. One, Nature Boy Ric Flair is like, you said to bring this person, but I don't I don't know. But it's like, you clearly know why. You said to bring a no, fucking uh, healer because people were going to be hurt. Two, how does Lola Pachika's magic not work? But fucking Mimosa's does. Isn't Lolo Pachiko one of the spirit guardian people? Like, is this is that. Like, she has, like, one of the most powerful magics in there. And also, she has no attack magic. All she can do is help people. Why is her magic not strong enough? I guess we needed
0: Mimosa to do something to justify <laughs> bringing her on this mission because if she didn't heal these people, then she would have literally come along and done nothing. I do like mimosa and i'm glad that she does get a moment where she's like hey she is she literally brings three people back from seemingly incurable injuries from the brink of death i do think that there should have been more focus on the fact that gaja essentially was burning himself out to get them all the chance to win and less focus on charlotte and rill because if you weren't going to you know push the fact that all three of them were going to drop dead as soon as they were done fighting, then it seems like, and also these two on top of the one yeah. that actually did get a little bit of focus, and I feel like instead you could have just pushed God's situation even harder and then, like,
1: <laughs> and then you draw that out a little bit. And you could even justify then that the reason Lolo Pachika's magic doesn't work is because she's very emotional over the fact yeah. that someone she loves is dying and she's just panicking or something like that. Like, you could have done something along those lines. Anyway, They're all fine. Everyone's good now. Uh, And Gaja takes this moment to announce that he loves Lola Pachika. And not as a queen, but as a woman. And everyone's like, oh. They're all super excited. Uh, Undine shows up to say Lola Pachika's mine. But if it's you, Gaja, though, then grr, I don't. (laughs) I think she short circuits.
0: Yeah. I'm guessing it's a matter of like i can't give my daughter a figure away to anyone or something i don't know yeah so, we uh, honestly have not explored the relationship between them in this capacity enough to really get that
1: yeah so. uh nozel says it's irritating but i suppose it's thanks to him that noel grew strong so we have to save yami no matter what and uh they're like all right so we have to do that but there's one more dark triad member left yeah the last one and then we, we, we're cutting backwards to shortly before Majicula's defeat, and Zeno has become full Okiora with a bunch of bones and also the demon wings. Okiora never looked this cool. You shut up. That eyes. is true. These are slightly cooler <laughs> designs than most of the Espada's releases, but, you know, uh, whatever they called their forms. Fr- no. What they call their releases? Oh. Oh, that's a good Hang on. So go keep going. Okay. But, uh, well, there's not actually that much left. Uh basically it's Fenrir and you know being like, "What are we or Langris rather and, and you know being Resurrection. Like, resurrection. Be. Uh basically saying like, "What are we going to do?" And Yuno says, "Buy me 3 minutes, I'll finish it with my next attack." So, we have the other fight to finish.
0: Yep. We'll see how many people get jumping on this one.
1: <laughs> I mean, we did just introduce Saint Stage and Yuno has one of the spirits, so theoretically he should like i don't know if this new form is his saint stage or if he if not he should just unlock saint stage and do it so Mm -hmm. that seems like what you should be building up but we'll see yeah
0: um the it's actually as in terms of like aftermath from a battle chapters go this was overall pretty good but i just think that like the way that the they're all gonna die. No, they're not, because Mimosa's here is a little bit clunky, and uh, it it really would have been better with just a little bit more, like, because obviously there's the Gaja thing, but during the course of the battle, I never went like, well, I guess Gaja's gonna die out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, could have been uh, had, had a little bit more of uh, tension weighing on it, basically, to get to this point. Yeah, but. We are going to close things out today with One Piece chapter 1023 spitting image. Uh, Zoro is back on his feet after having gotten, uh, pain go bye bye juice pumped into his veins. Uh, and, uh, they, he and Sanji are fighting king and queen. Uh... Then There's a lot of stuff going on uh, with outsiders and prevent- people preventing each other from interfering in the fights, uh, but none of it's really important up until, like, we get to the actual, like, big people trying to interfere with it in a little bit, so I'm just gonna... Uh... Izo has to go and save Marco's butt because he's too busy just kind of like looking at the battle and thinking about something that Whitebeard once said to him about the red line in Mary Joa and the race that King seemingly belongs to. And he's just daydreaming about that. And he's just like, we're in the middle of a fight. Come on. Uh, And then Marco's just like, hey, Izo, do you believe in gods? He's like, what the fuck are you on about?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, shut up,
0: shut up. Uh, so Queen brags about how awesome the three calamities are. Plague! Wildfire! A third one! A third one, <laughs> but, uh, but us two! <laughs> uh, he fires some beams of energy from his mouth, and, uh, Zoro observes, like, hey, what's up with you? Over to Sanji, and Sanji just says, like, I don't know, I mean, like, ever since I put the raid suit on the second time, my body's just kind of felt a little off. And Zora's just like, you better not drag me down. And Zora's just like, it's, shut up. So they're arguing immediately, of course. Uh, each of them kind of helps out the other from an attack by King and Queen, deflecting it for the uh, to protect the other. And they're like, ah, you owe me. Ah, we're even. And then Queen looks at Sanji is like, oh, wait a minute. Hey, Judge's son, I hear all of you kids are cyborgs. That guy is a madman. Is that burning leg of yours a machine part? And Sanji's like, no. The heat of my passion surpasses the temperature of flame. That's why it burns! And he starts kicking his leg in an impossible arc and kicking fire into Queen over and over and over again. Uh, And meanwhile, Zoro squares off against
1: King, It's worth noting also that the queen specifically says how does a human burn like that i know you aren't a lunararian, so that's the name presumably of the race atop the red wall that uh, king's probably a member of
0: and king has a katana so it is a swordsman that zoro's fighting with uh he deflects some of zoro's blows and then catches the swords on the heavily serrated edge of his blade and Tears them out of Zoro's hands momentarily uh, Mm -hmm. in order to punch Zoro in the face.
1: Yeah, maybe not a perfect swordsman, but he has a sword, so (laughs) what else? Uh,
0: Yeah. Zoro blocks it with uh, his mouth sword. uh, And so Zoro's just like, you're a killer machine, huh? And King says, do you need a school or a style in order to fight? which I don't really know how those two statements connect, but uh, Zoro's like, well, I guess you never called yourself a swordsman, so do as you like. Who knows? By the end of this, I might be tearing your throat out with my teeth. Cool. Uh, meanwhile, Kawamatsu is talking to Hyoguro, and he's saying, uh, hey, Yori told me that she was going to give that man Enma, and back then, uh, there, I mean, there was a reason. I couldn't bring myself to stop her. And Hyoguro agrees, saying... He is a pirate from across the sea, yet strangely enough, he is the spitting image of Shimatsuki Ushimaru, daimyo of Ringo in his youth. And even his sword style is the same. Ha! Also, Ryuma, <laughs> Ryuma the god of the blade, also had one eye. Uh-huh. Okay, so they are bases I was like, there seems to be fate at work here, bringing this guy to our country. So they basically have decided not to act against what appears to be the work of fate in terms of what they're, they're, why they're letting Zoro keep the sword. So, uh, But remember, there's a third calamity, guys. Remember, Jack? Jack, <laughs> calamity.
1: So all, tough. All the calamities show off equal amounts of their power in this chapter. He oh, goes, wait, no, Jack just has this grabbed by the trunk and he gets fucking judo tossed out of the building. <laughs> Never mind.
0: So Jack is in his beast man form. So he's got, you know, big, huge mastodon freaking body, but he's got his hook sword and he's charging down Dogstorm. And he's, he's like, ah, yeah, I know you can't go any longer. Oh, I'm go- I-, I will forgive your country for going into ruin to uphold the lie about the samurai. But Dogstorm's like, if we had handed over Rizo to die, we would be so ashamed that we never would have come back to Wano. Every single day since the death of Lord Ovid was another day closer to this moment of reckoning. And yeah, he judo tosses Jack by the trunk and throws it through the fucking wall. <laughs> um, and of course we get the flashback to Dogstorm refusing to acknowledge that I don't know who Rizo is. He's if there were men here, I would cut my own belly. And Darkstorm says, as he follows out after Jack, for 20 years, I ask myself, are you still a samurai of Lord Odin? And Jack's like, oh shit, why are you a Sulong? So <laughs> Uh-oh.
1: I wasn't doing like, so hot in this fight
0: before you turned. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks up and is like, wait a minute, why is there a hole in the roof? <laughs> well, you know, because the lot just happened. That's why... <laughs> But Dogstorm says, and yeah, he's in his Long form, we would let a city of a thousand years fall to ensure that we reached this decisive battle. Only by winning this fight, whatever the cost, will Dawn come to the world. And then we cut to the front engines of the Skull Dome, and Cat Viper, of course, is still facing off against Peruspro, who is flat in his fucking back. And he says that if it weren't for Petra, then Luffy's gang never would have come this far. This raid would have ended in failure. It's a beautiful full moon tonight and i hope you're watching pedro have a drink if you got one but you lick spittle <laughs> saint to prospero this is the last moon you'll ever see very badass moments by the two of them
1: so. cool line
0: yeah and prospero's like oh shit so yeah um but uh, then we cut to f-
1: Fukujumaru,
0: is that his name? He's fighting with Raizo.
1: Fukuro Koji or something like that? Something
0: like that. They're having a ninja fight. They don't really say anything important, but he's just mocking Raizo,
1: basically. Yeah.
0: And then we cut out to the Tokage port, and a bunch of the people in uh, the pirate group are just like, what the fuck? What's Kaido doing here? What's Kaido doing here? Because there's a giant serpentine dragon Crouching in front of Luffy. And they're like, Luffy, get away from him! And Luffy looks at the dragon. And he thinks back to when he first met Momonosuke in his dragon form. And Luffy's like, is that you, Momo? And Momonosuke says, indeed! And uh, Shinobu says that by Lord Momonosuke's request, he is now age 28. And she is bawling her eyes out. And Luffy's like, why are you crying? And she's like, because... (laughs) And apparently when she first transformed him, she started to say that he looked just like dot, dot, dot. So the obvious thing that we're supposed to think is that he looks just like Odin. Mm -hmm. Which, considering he's his son, would make sense.
1: But... It could be someone else. It would be really funny if it was like you look like Fukuro, the the dude with the zipper mouth from the CP9. Why? Where'd you get the zipper mouth? Lord knows. you look
0: just like everyone just kind of like looks at one of one of the other samurais.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you look a lot like uh, fucking you He's just like
0: uh... you know,
1: there are a lot of lonely nights in Wano. <laughs>
0: Luffy just says to Momonosuke, come on, Momo, let's go take back Wano. And Momonosuke is ready to go now that he is in his adult giant dragon form.
1: Yeah. All right. I should
0: say does look very cool.
1: Yes, looks pretty cool. Uh, I'll be curious to see his uh, full form reveal, and uh, it should be be a lot of fun. It's a good chapter.
0: We've got uh, the... Final, I, it seems like, secondary fight uh, starting to wrap up uh, with Zoro and San... Not, well, not starting to wrap up, getting going between Zoro, Sanji, and King and Queen. And then a bunch of the really minor battles seem to be coming to a head. Uh, yeah. And then there's just Luffy trying to make his way back to Kaido. So,
1: I wasn't expecting that to be a tag match. So that's sort of a, a pleasant surprise.
0: Yep. We will uh, see if uh, it remains so, I guess.
1: Yeah. All
0: right, to do it for a Weekly Manga Recap this week. So, to wrap things up, we're going to say what our favorites were. Favorite series and MVP!
1: Okay. Uh, I think your mic just changed, by the way. God damn it! <laughs> uh, my favorite uh, favorite series is actually a little harder, so I'm going to think on that. But my character of the week is Kojiro from Elusive Samurai. I thought it was a really cool chapter room, and I really like that moment of um uh... The, the general guy, the tactician, basically saying, like, look, tacticians, anybody can learn that. But, like, an actual general is really important and vital to have. So I really like that moment. Yeah, that is cool. I think it just changed back. Yeah, back. you're good now.
0: Oh, all right, good. <sighs> I do really want to give it to Uraka, But I'm gonna give it to Kikoru because she <laughs> got a word bubble in that.
1: <laughs> That's actually a pretty good point, too. Shit. I want to stay with my pick, but that is a really good one. Chapter um, of the Week. Chapter of the Week is kind of hard. I don't know if anything, like, directly stands out. as like, there's moments in chapters that are really good. I think I might just give it to Undead Unlock, because I do like, I guess, the whole of that chapter quite a lot. And I almost feel like this chapter is a lead into a much better chapter coming next, I assume, so... Um, There there
0: were a number of chapters that I felt like, yeah, it was, you know, pretty good. That was fun. Um, There was very little bad this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, Just kind of like, you know, the usual stuff that you would expect in terms of like what our preferences are for the series that we read. Um, But there wasn't a whole lot that was like very standout, exciting, really good. Uh, And there was a lot that was like, well, I can't wait to see how this turns out. So a build-up week in some form, I think that I'm going to echo your final decision to go with undead Unluck though. Yeah. Um, I was not super, super into it, but I think it is the most complete chapter in terms of like a theme running through it that you can easily get behind. Yeah. Uh, and it has, you know, like a beginning and, you know, sudden twist in the conflict and then a hope for how it will be resolved with the good guys winning. So
1: uh it is worth noting the audience also was pretty mixed on a lot of things. Ururaka more handedly won MVP, but the winner of chapter of the week was actually Doctor Stone. And there mm. were uh it looks like twenty eight total votes, but nine unique votes and seven votes total were enough for Doctor Stone to win. So based yeah. off that it's uh it was a pretty tight race all the way around.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that at all. It, it reflects what my yeah I think both of our feelings are for this week. So, but with that said, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of Weekly Manga Recap. Remember that normally we record the show on twitchtv slash C Wednesdays at around seven seven thirty Eastern Time. Uh, so be sure to tune in to us next week uh, when we will be ta- talking about our next round of chapters as Chris and I. Both continue to subject ourselves to history's strongest disciple, Kenichi, which is far more dire than I was
1: thinking. I, so I, I've i fallen behind, I, I, I like, I, I made a plan, I was like, if I do 20 chapters a day, I will catch up by the end, by, by the last week in September. And then I started to get behind, I was like, one day I was just so tired, I was like, I can only read 10, 10 chapters, I'll read 30 chapters tomorrow. And then there was this one day I couldn't catch. So right now I'm currently, I I think I'm supposed to be at chapter 180 and I just got to like chapter 150. So I'm still like 30 chapters behind where I need to get. So I I plan to catch up, but like at chapter 150, I am now firmly like one fourth of the way through this series. And I do not fucking comprehend what the other three-fourths <laughs> of this series are about because he did it. It's done. Yeah. What the fuck is left?
0: Um, yeah. So, little <laughs> preview for the end of the month, guys. I <laughs> hope you're looking forward to it. Uh, thank you all for supporting the show. You can... Uh, if you would like to sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash weekly monger recap, you can chip in a few bucks and get some bonus content, which we'd love to produce for you guys. We would also like to extend... Thanks to everyone who is on our Discord server where you can get updates on when the show goes live. You can participate in discussions of the weekly chapters as they come out, as well as the series as it is going, that is going to be recapped. If you have, want to share your opinions with uh, the rest of the community, or even occasionally when Chris or I feel like vent about, uh, want to vent about it, uh, you can share opinions about it there. And uh, you can also find through that the Google Doc maintained by NinjaX3i, which keeps track of the votes for MVP the series that have been recommended to us, all sorts of great, very helpful information, which we thank him for, for making our lives generally easier yes. in terms of organizing stuff for the show.
1: Monumentally, I'm sorry about Red Hood.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we would also like to thank Steve Mann, our tire card artist. You can check out his work wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet, including his Twitter account, Steve Mann Art. Is
1: yes. that correct? Yes. yes.
0: And uh, we would like to thank Winsadel Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillos for creating the opening sequence for Weekly Micah Recap, which you can see. In the video versions, which are posted to the YouTube channel, youtubecom recap, or if you want to listen to just the audio version, it is available on WeeklyMangaRecap.podbean.com and on Spotify and generally anywhere you can listen to
1: podcasts. Absolutely, uh, I would just want to also note I do a series for our Patreon called Monthly Other Recap. I just posted the newest episode, so I'll talk about all the series that are not uh, part of our uh, Weekly Manga Recap but are in jump, and also talk about Dragon Ball Super. And I've mentioned now I'm going to commit to uh, adding. Four Nights of the Apocalypse in there after probably like in November when I have the opportunity to read manga that is in Kanichi again. <laughs> uh, but in case it's extra incentive, I had a new segment now this week where I'll go through and I'll tell you what other series from outside the recap would have been contenders for MVP and chapter of the week. So there's uh, some little extra nuggets of information in there for you, and you might hear us in some upcoming podcasts. I was just on Deals with the Devil. Uh, the Ice Shield Twenty One podcast where we talk about Volume Five of Ice Shield Twenty One, which is very good, and there's more on the way. Yes, yeah, there is. All right, now uh, I believe you said you wanted to go see Malachi Black kick a man's head off. So yeah,
0: we're we're closing the the recording of the episode at just the right time. So I'll let you know how that goes. All Probably right. well. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if he loses. Whew.
1: All right, uh, bye everybody.